0: Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Peripheral Views Podcast. Uh, We've got a big one. Uh, Big, big, big episode today. Um, Peripheral Views, this is going to be our eighth episode. Errol, uh, I'm your co host, Jake. Errol, what's going on tonight, bud? How are we doing?
1: Dude, I'm doing about as good as you can. I'm really excited about this. I'm ready to uh, shine a light on the fog
0: that is the lighthouse that's what i'm talking about yeah that's what we're talking about tonight uh we're talking about 2019 um psychological thriller um horror horror film however you want to categorize it this is robert Eagert's uh robert, robert i'm sorry robert eager's masterpiece in my opinion and we'll i mean spoiler alert we love the film uh so it'll be rated highly but uh we've got a lot to say about it it's called the lighthouse came out in 2019 big film third uh contribution to the film series for us uh that's our that's our film series in the podcast um our previous two were the pilot episode which was on the thing um you could actually draw some comparisons uh to these two films a lot of like survival uh or survivor thematic stuff going on between the two films kind of similar in that in that vein but um, um and then we kicked off our second one with the death of stalin um which was which was a good one too but we're getting into the big stuff here. Like like I was actually just mentioning the Arrow Off Air. This is the reason I um wanted to do a podcast in the first place was to talk about films like this. I mean, this is this is as good as it gets with in terms of filmmaking. And I just absolutely love a film that uh has so many layers and so much to talk about. It's um it's it's just entrenched and it's open to subjectivity, which in an in opinion discussion, which is which is what the podcasting world is about. So we're going to dive into that. Let's do a little housekeeping before we kick things off. Uh, you know the digs, as per usual. Um, customarily, we are found at Twitter. Um, I'm sorry, on Twitter at V 123 um, Our streaming platform on a primary basis is SoundCloud.com forward slash Views 123 Contact us by e- uh, email at Podcast at gmail.com. Um, Throw us in your old search bar at uh, on the Apple Podcast app and the Spotify app, um, and if you do, please hit the notification bell. Be sure to subscribe, please, and if you do enjoy what you're listening to, or if you don't, either way, leave us a review and a rating uh, to get us um, just to get us a little recognition on those platforms, one way or the other, positive or negative. Um, I did want to mention uh, that the website, I actually started the construction of the website. Um, That's going to be forthcoming. I'm taking my sweet time on that as per usual, but uh, we'll get that rolling along the way and have that pumped out and launched hopefully um, at some point in the next handful of weeks, maybe a month or so. um, We really want to get that just right uh, because all of our content is going to be posted there Um, henceforth it'll still be on our platforms um, that we've been um, streaming on thus far but it will also be a lot easier to find all of our content in one place right on the website so uh, stay tuned for that I'll keep you guys posted as we move through that process Um, let's talk about a little bit Errol uh, we're doing film today so I I feel a little funny about not mentioning the release of uh, Christopher Nolan's new film Oppenheimer um that dropped yesterday opening day for that film um errol i'm assuming that i mean we're both busy guys i assume that you haven't gotten around to seeing it quite yet what did uh, is that the case for you
1: yeah no i would have been there today if i thought i could squeeze it in but i wanted to uh, i i legitimately wanted to watch the uh, the lighthouse mm-hmm. again or at least uh go through some of the stuff um interesting uh interesting development I looked at a poll and in a lot of like democratic uh states, I guess Oppenheimer's kind of like uh running uh, running the polls there for popularity, but like in a lot of like the Republican ones, it's all like Barbie. So it's kind of weird to see that <laughs> that's like the inverse of
0: anyone's expectations. Right, I really
1: do it's like um, Mississippi and Texas are like heavy on the Barbie, dude.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm okay. I'm are they like a dumb comedy? I'm not to say that Barbie's dumb. I don't mean to say that it might be a very good film and it's actually getting pretty good reviews. I don't know that it's, um, it is a comedy though. And like, I don't know. I assume
1: I folks heard down South
0: love a good comedy. Who doesn't? I,
1: I heard it's uh like, well, it's a satirizing Barbie too. So even if you don't like it, then that should be yeah. a good time.
0: Yeah. And it, it, listen, I'll be honest with you. Um, so I have a, just a small, um, anecdote here is that, uh, actually went to the theater just a small story Uh, my wife and i went to the theater uh last night to see oppenheimer i got tickets um at what's we have a movie tavern here in central new york uh syracuse new york um and we have like a a movie tavern that you know they serve you like you can get your tickets in advance on, on just like everywhere else but you can also like they like serve you a meal at your at your seat and it's like a it's a thing it's like a niche thing um i'm sure you can find them anywhere but we have one here and i opted to go get tickets for it um unfortunately <laughs> this is going to be like the this, this will speak to my to the character of who i am if in a negative way here but um we actually got to the film late um by about 10 minutes or so 10 like movie started at like 5 45 i think we got there right at six and i asked the usher if like um is has it started yet and he was he assured me that uh it wasn't going to start for another like five minutes or so i was like perfect so we go to i walk in the theater and like. It's like it's like right into a like the middle of a conversation in the film. Like the film is clearly started. It's like heavy into the dialogue of Oppenheimer, and I t- and it's also dark. And I was like I couldn't find my seat for my wife and I, and I just turned around. her and I was like I'm out, I'm, <laughs> I'm out. Like I'm I'm leaving because I I t- and I explained this to her, and for her she's like not quite as like a you know a cinephile as I am, but she was like. No, like I think she like had an indication. No, let's stay and, and like finish the film. Like, let's just find our seats, like, take a few minutes to find the seats and we'll finish it. And I, I was just like, the thing about it is, and this is true, and like, you know, like, I don't know, it's a little crazy of me because it's a little unreasonable. Like, I wanted, I went and got a refund and everything, but I absolutely oh, I would have. And that's not an unreasonable
1: thing to ask for. Be like, hey, I was just a little late. I would like to come back.
0: No, they gave me a refund. Was, and they we were totally cool about it. I'm not going to, I won't, it's a uh, movie tavern by Marcus. Like great, great folks. They actually, they accommodated the refund. No questions asked. And it was like, you know, because it was only 15 minutes into the film or whenever when I got it. But I, I explained to my wife, like, she was like, why is it so important that we, it's a, like, we just missed a few minutes. It's not a big deal. I was like, it is like, if you go into a Christopher Nolan film and you miss a sentence, you are fucked like it will leave you in the dust his movies it, try to watch inception for the first time in oh, your life yeah, no like yeah. 20 minutes in you are screwed you won't know a thing going on you can still enjoy the film but i'm not like looking to enjoy oppenheimer like i want well, I me mean, i am but like i'm looking <laughs> to like study i want to know i want to hear every word i want to see every shot and by the way like not not for nothing but the opening sequence of every film is like a everybody loves i don't know if you're a, if oh, you're a no, film fan, so it's
1: it's, it's exactly like even if you are like an audiophile. The right. first three seconds of a song is the most important part mm-hmm. of the song. I don't care who you are. You can have the biggest buildup of all time. But if it's on the radio and it's not a good first couple se- dude, they're going we'll to skip.
0: We'll the illusion. The illusion. But it's station. not a... It's not even for the audience either it's like you're i mean you are thinking about the audience and how you want to draw them in and like that's like it's part of the construction of the of the art form in both senses but like with christopher nolan it's like first of all i know that opening sequence is probably you know probably dope like he got to just imagine like everything he's ever done basically at this point the opening sequence is like a it's crucial probably to the plot um on a dialogue level and b um it's probably beautiful it's probably like a gorgeous like crazy shot who knows like i don't know i actually don't know because i didn't see it but i just trust him that it's probably like it's probably breathtaking in some way and i didn't want to miss that and see the remark i just made where it's like this is a i know i've read that this is a dialogue heavy film and like i'm not itching to like miss a beat on it i want to go in and like nestle into it and really like feel like i soaked it in and not feel like i'm because you move if you're playing catch up you'll miss other stuff like Things get interpreted different ways it's you see the art in its completed form like and i always i always try to remind if i'm talking to someone who's like not um maybe like appreciative as i am which is which is reasonable i'm a huge you know film boss but like um if you if folks who don't appreciate film quite on that level like i think should appreciate them more and just to remind them i think louis ck made this made a joke about this where like um people skip like the youtube ads right they hit skip and he's just mm-hmm. like, and and he's just like, uh, I think the comment in one of his bits was like, you know, somebody worked really fucking hard on that. <laughs> somebody worked really, really hard on that. Like they spent probably could, I mean, on a film, you're talking about months or years trying to get a film together. And like, even with those little short YouTube you know, ads that people skip, like it's nothing. Um, you know, people worked really, really hard on that stuff. And it, some of it's nefarious and it's trying to like, you, you might not like it because it's marketing something crappy to you but like doesn't matter it doesn't irregardless or regardless if you don't believe in that word is um you know that somebody worked pretty hard on it and you should see it in full that's all that's spoken all my good like is on it
1: spoken like
0: a true shill who gets paid for ads goddamn right you know what's sad is we don't have a single advertiser we don't have any sponsorship so i'm i'm literally just speaking from the uh from the heart from the spirit
1: um, it's the kind but, of service you'll get here. It's, yeah,
0: <laughs> that's right. by the By the way, yeah for any for any future advertising advertising uh, agencies, um, no one here likes to skip ads. No, No, We watch that shit. We watch it deep, and then we rate rate and review it, and then we comment on it like pieces of shit on YouTube.
1: Yeah, so you be ready. <laughs> like, yeah, they're like, "What are you even talking about?" Like, this isn't my video. Like, no, the ad came up at one one minute thirty seconds. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> break that down
0: Um, but i'll push I'll, i'll push a little forward through that uh anecdote about oppenheimer so yeah i did not get to see the film um i was pumped to see it a little disappointed that we didn't get to but i will say we made the best of it because as we were leaving the uh theater i was super bummed out and i was like fuck like man i'd really like to you know i'm we're already here my wife and i actually and this is this actually ties importantly to today's episode is that like um in, in not importantly, but in some small way. My wife and I have not been to the theater since we saw the lighthouse in 2019. Uh-huh. So we our return this episode marks also the return of our our, our you know relationship to like a theater experience. Um, and that's, we, it's
1: kind of it's really funny that you're going from like the lighthouse like a really like bright thing. To like the brightest thing, just like about a nuke, like yeah, right.
2: <laughs> the the old there's
1: no other. What's the, the next power movie of the gonna, sun? I'm just gonna say the next movie you have to watch has got to be about like a literal star or something. Or well,
0: something. there is a Sil- there is a and Murphy film called by Danny Boyle called uh, or Killian Murphy. I can't. I don't know how it's pronounced. The the guy who plays Oppenheimer um, called Sunshine, and I think like part of the movie like is in some kind of it's in like a super um, like a science fiction film that takes it's got some kind of something to do with the sun so that would be a step up and they're still tied they're somehow all still tied together so um through killian murphy but um but to finish to close out my little story here um so yeah we did return to the to the theater for the first time since the lighthouse um but it wasn't to see oppenheimer because of that scenario so instead we pivoted um happened to be timing wise it worked out great we went and saw the fifth and final installment of indiana jones and the dial of destiny okay and um i gotta be honest with you i'll give a short review um i don't know if that's something we'll ever get around to just because the first three films i mean it would take i I would hesitate to do this film over any one of the first three certainly i would do it over the fourth because i think the fourth one was absolute trash um not a fan Really disappointed in the fourth one with Shia LaBeouf, uh, The Kingdom of Crystal Skull, I believe it was called. Um, but this this held up, man. This was really good. This was like, I even told my wife afterwards that this was like a great blockbuster summer summertime night popcorn movie. Like, really kind of fulfilled what you look for in a summer night at the theater. Like, super action-packed, always entertaining, never too cheesy. Um like, I mean, Indiana Jones films typically have a little, they got a little corn on them. They're a bit cheesy at times, but um, this one, did. Ha- it, it like kind of hit that, those like really important notes of being like action packed, good action sequences, believable, um, believable plot and like plot development um, while also, you know, hitting those like supernatural fantastical stuff too, that are in all, all three of the first ones um, and the fourth one for better or worse. Um, but I could not recommend it enough. It was such a good experience at the theater again. Uh, I was happy that that was the one that welcomed us back. So just want to give a big thumbs up to that. Cause it was, it was great. Nice. Yeah. So keep your, uh, if you got, if listen, if you see Oppenheimer and like, I got a feeling most people are going to want to see Oppenheimer a couple times. So you go to the theater and see that and you might might circle back to it again. But, uh, if, if you are looking for something other than Oppenheimer or Barbie at the theater, old Harrison Ford still kicking around, beating some ass. Um, So you can check that out at the theater. Uh, Big thumbs up from me. Um, Errol, I I got a feeling that you haven't had a chance to watch any other new films uh, recently other than the uh, work you have done for the lighthouse. Is that that the case?
1: Oh yeah, very much so.
0: All good. All good. I've been at it. You know how I am. Um, I've been at it. I've got like this list of like, it's one hell of a list of films, but I've had like a good time watching these. Cause my wife hasn't seen a lot of this stuff. So like, it's nice to go back and watch some of these classics. But uh, so the films that I have seen, I'm going to recommend every single one of them other than the last one. Um, but the four that I've seen most recently with my wife, were, I got to show her the first two Godfathers, which big must, like you got to see those. Um, and there are, uh, I will say the, The first one is more entertaining, and boy, I would love to do... We'll definitely do those films. Like, we have to. Have you seen them, by the way?
1: Yeah, when I was,
0: like, 11. Yeah. Yeah, those those are ones that, like, you got to revisit, and you got to, like... You got to just disappear into them for a couple hours. Um, But, like, they're just unbelievable films. And I know that that's, like, a very obvious thing for most of American culture around movies. Like, The Godfathers are obviously... Um, I would hazard to say, I genuinely, um, this is a, bol- a bit of a bold statement, and I don't know that I totally it on it, but I would hazard to say, while it's not my favorite film of all time, it's hard to argue that The Godfather Part Two is not the best film I've ever seen, like the best film ever made in terms of writing, like the, just the, the compilation of all talents coming together at once making a genuinely perfect film that moves at the perfect pace it goes back in time the performances like everything put together it's it's a perfect film it's as close to a perfect film as you'll ever see so i obviously i don't need to recommend the godfathers i'm pretty sure everybody everybody's into those um or at least aware of them
1: Uh, yeah Uh, that's what i was gonna say at least anyone here they're probably
0: right if you're listening to a film podcast of any kind even if it's our like partial film podcast you probably are uh, a fan and you know there's good reason for it and i and we'll definitely i think we'll definitely we'll get to it we'll get to that film or at least both the first two and completely ignore the third because it was trash but uh um (laughs) also watched ordinary people uh from 1980 like that family psychological film um great great film i've seen it a couple times that one's heartthrobber you know it's one of those like tug at your heart films it's it's some powerhouse acting performances in that one that's great all the president's men um we got to watch that again and that one's also just like very dialogue heavy um but like somehow just like unbelievably entertaining and and similar to a nolan film in that like do not like miss a beat because you will you know that movie will leave you very confused as to what's going on if you're like half paying attention um and uh currently i'm a student right now and i actually just took a i'm taking a a radical film course um over the summer and the film one of the, the first film for the class was a film called chappaqua um it's like this weird 1960s exploitation film about like uh drug addiction and alcoholism and it's like it's very like uh, very political and sociological, and it's got a lot of messages about it. And I actually wrote a, l- a little thing on it. And you know, maybe I could actually post that. I could link that to our Twitter if anybody's interested in what I had to say about the film because it was, uh, there was a lot going on with it. And uh, it was, int- I don't know that I'd recommend it. It's not, it's not like a fun watch. It's kind of weird and bizarre. And, you know, oh, no. And,
1: the, and, uh, yeah, the lighthouse is uh, not, uh,
0: not, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, this is, no, I'm, t- well, the lighthouse is like gorgeous. Like, this is not, this is not pretty this is like like it's like very like spliced together in like very low budget the lighthouse had some money to work with and also 2019 technology where this is like 1966 and we're like splicing shit together and you get what get it yeah listen he did what he it's it actually became a like a cult film it's got like a lot of uh attention um since then and um it had a lot to, a lot of interesting things to say but that's as much as i can really say about it um that I hadn't already written. So, um,
1: speaking of the Godfather, though, while I don't really remember much from it, sure. um, I read somewhere recently that uh, Francis uh, Cop- Coppola went to a uh, he went to like a film school. Like after he was done directing it, he wanted like tips or something. And the guy teaching the class, he was like, "Just watch The Godfather." And he's <laughs> like, "What do you What do you mean?" <laughs> he's like, "What do you mean by this?" He's like, "I need to know help. who he was." Yeah, look he just like he was like, Oh, have you seen that? Just like do what he did. And he's like, So can I just get my money back? Like what the Yeah,
0: I'm dropping out. I'm dropping <laughs> out I want a refund. Give me my
1: money back right now. Why? How about really? I give you a degree?
0: That's what he should have said. <laughs> I'd be like, give me, give me the hat, give me the chalkboard. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you to leave, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's, he's such an interesting human. Like he's, um, he's got like this, I think he's more rich now from his, like, he's got this like very, very successful wine company, um, out of like, uh, the vineyards in I believe, uh, Napa Valley in California, or it might even be in Italy. I'm not sure where he's based. I think it's Napa Valley, but, um, also a further anecdote my dad did like a an ancestry.com thing and i i think that like i'm trade my my ancestry is like traced to that name and in, in part of the same part and like my great grandmother is from the p- same part of sicily that his heritage is from so like there was like an indication that potentially i have like i got some i got some of that cocoa blood in me i'm not really yeah. sure but you know you can never trust that stuff too much but um yeah. I hope so. That'd be that'd be like, listen. If there's one filmmaker who I wouldn't mind sharing DNA with, and I don't mean that in a way that's oh, whoa, hold, yeah, what ancestry?
1: <laughs> <No>. You <laughs> could literally say just related to.
0: <laughs> I'm not trying to touch that old man. That would um, be
1: for another podcast. Who do we want to? What director?
0: What directors are we trying to? Are we trying top to ten, top ten hottest directors? <laughs> He would not make my top ten list. I'm gonna be honest with you. He's he's uh, it would he's be weird now. And, well, listen. Like, well, especially yeah, well, it would make it very weird. Especially I mean, that's we're talking. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull the plug on this part of the podcast here. So <laughs> let's uh let's keep moving forward away Aww. from. Uh, <laughs> oh, are you disappointed? No, I'm just uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving into the next uh the next segment here. Let's talk film in 2019. Um. I don't know, a weird year for movies In my opinion, kind of up and down There was like a lot of um. I mean, I had you, You've got the list, Daryl what, what did you think, uh, what stuck out, stuck out for you? I'll let you kick it off
1: So I'll start with the stuff that was like uh, Probably really good, but I didn't see it Or that didn't mm-hmm. like pop out Like of course, like Toy Story 4 uh, Frozen 2, The Lion King Yeah, um, a lot of kids stuff the, that year Right, I guess The Irishman Was pretty good, but I didn't see that
0: I can attest to that. It was not as good, I think, as the world perceived it. I'd like to watch it again, but it's like four hours long, so I haven't circled back to that yet. But
1: right. it was good. I like I liked what
0: I saw, but I wasn't, you know, ecstatic.
1: Then you got a Bohemian Rhapsody,
0: which Never you can't
1: really it. you can't really I don't imagine you can really mess up a documentary about a prolific figure. So
0: oh it was well actually no it was a biopic. It wasn't I don't think they it wasn't like a, oh
1: yeah no yeah I'm sorry yeah not a biopic no, I think
0: I, think, I figure that's what you meant. Yeah no yeah, I, I mean you. that story is pretty interesting I'm like it's a rock and roll story. This was tough to mess it up yeah, i'm with you. Right.
1: Um black clansman with uh, Adam Driver if I'm not mistaken I didn't see that.
0: Hella good. hell like I mean real good. Like that was that was that's Spike Lee. Um I saw that I in the had... theater that was a blast. That that movie's so, hilarious.
1: I'm glad that you had, like, you didn't have the movie ruined for you because I didn't see it. But alls I saw, it was like a TikTok or something, and I, I quit. I, it wasn't because of, I didn't delete TikTok because of that, but it was just like one of the things adding up to where I'm like, all right, I'm done with this. But uh, yeah. what happened was, it was like, dang, uh, Kylo Ren snaps in the new movie, and it's just that scene where he's shooting at the car, like just. Oh yeah, yeah, hurling expletives, and I'm just like, I can't stand like the kids on this app. I'm like, this is just
0: yeah, they just ruin ruin everything. They just ruin everything with generation ruins everything. Well, it's also, I mean, listen, it's not a total. I mean, it is a spoiler for sure. Um, but like, you can still get a lot of enjoyment on watching movies that are spoiled, in my opinion, because like usually when they're getting spoiled, they're usually well out of context. Um, I mean, you you don't like to. Going to a movie, kind of knowing the direction it's going to take, especially with like a, a protagonist or a main character, but you can still get a ton of enjoyment out of that film. It's fucking entertaining, like front to back, and it's got a lot of um social commentary. And it's twenty. It came out in twenty nineteen. Spike Lee had a lot to say about like the social causes going on in twenty nineteen. So it was especially with like the racial tension that year, um, and the, and the next year too, more specifically, but um yeah it was great it was a great film um my personal favorite uh i've got three my my top three It's tough to put them in order but I, I guess if i had to put them in order it would go uh green book was green book was so good i can't even describe it to you like i was i was so thrilled to watch that movie because i'm it, it, the reason that it, i i loved it so much and i know that it got kind of like mixed reviews in a way i mean it won best picture that year at the academy awards Dang, um a- but people were people were kind of upset because it's like um i don't know there were some like racial undertones like i said it was a tough year for like racial tensions in the country but um it, the film itself was like it, you know it was kind of like a i thought it did a good job of like trying to add like maybe he, not doing a not that it did this, but like contributing to the healing of those racial tensions because it like it showed like the unification of black and white in America, even in a time when it was uh you know difficult to do that. Because I think the film took place in like the 60s, I believe. Um, but with Vigo Mortensen, and it was the Fairley brothers from who are who are responsible for like Dumb and Dumber, and like there's something about Mary and me, myself, oh, and so Irene. they took a
1: yeah we're talking about them if not last podcast and the one before
0: yeah they're great they're like they made these awesome like 90s comedies and then they made this like semi-serious but also pretty funny movie vigo mortensen from watertown new york um was great and he got nominated for an oscar he was fantastic um and so was um uh what's the guy's name last name ali uh, Maharshala, maherzala ali he was uh he was excellent in it too um, and they, the film is like very feel good. People were pissed off about it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, uh, sphere of internet that I was, um, engaging with that was pissed off about it, but, um, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really feel good movie. There was a kind of a Christmas tone to it too. And it came out around that time. So, um, okay. really, really, really good movie. Big recommend. Obviously uh, Joker came out that year and that shit was fucking amazing. Um, right. Did you see Joker? You must have saw Joker, right?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, also, I was gonna say, if we didn't talk about um, the uh, Fairly Brothers uh, in the last couple uh, podcasts, it's because we were thinking about just doing a like a brother uh, omnibus, like just of all the silly, goofy movies.
0: Oh yeah. There's so much of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. We and we absolutely could like rank. That could be a ranking show. We could rank the Fairly Brothers like all their movies because there's so fucking many. And there's like, I mean, there's a solid. There's a solid six or seven that are genuinely good, like very good. Um, yeah. they've got some, they've got some busts in there too, but yeah, no, they're they're great. Um,
1: but yeah, no, I, mean, I keep the Joker. Um, before we get into the meat and potatoes, because mm-hmm. uh, there's only one there that's like probably legitimately better than the uh than the Joker. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Avengers Endgame just because that that was. Mm. That was pretty movie. fun. That was a f- really fun time for anyone mm-hmm. who was uh, along for the ride there. Um, I liked it uh, just because I was so invested in everything. And uh, Black Panther, I thought Great. it came out at a really interesting time.
0: Yeah, kinda I kind of nailed thought, it too. It was a big year for like racial, uh, racial conversation.
1: In right. And uh, what they did, I liked how they kind of flipped it on its ear where like, um, you know, uh, Wakanda was just xenophobic, and they're like, we don't want to help anyone else out in the world. We we're just gonna focus on ourselves, like you know, just isolationist. On, yeah, isolationist yeah. focused on a uh, nationality and like xenophobia. They're like, you know, outsider, like you know, yeah. what, do you, what do you like, you know? And then they slowly decided, like, hey, maybe it's better if we, you know, kind of. And I thought it was, I thought it was really nice having like that, like flip flop there. It makes sure, sense. yeah.
0: It had a nice like inverse. I actually only saw it uh, when it came out. I've I've not seen it since. And to be honest, I don't really remember much from it. Um it didn't lay that big of an impression on me, but I, I remember being like I remember the visuals being pretty stunning. Um yeah. but also, the yeah, the plots
1: Chadwick.
0: Yeah, I know. RIP he was he was amazing. He played Jackie Robinson, for God's sakes, man. He was he was a talented dude. It was uh that's a that's a tragedy. But um yeah, the superhero movies, even Avengers Endgame, I just like i didn't i saw infinity war with you i believe and that's that's literally the only avengers movie i've seen um i liked it but there's just i think it's just a saturated market for me oh now now as
1: someone who does like it it's uh i'm it's oversaturated i've seen too much stuff i'm not invested anymore it's yeah i feel bad because like if you were to ask like you know like like even like fifteen year old me, I'd be like, dude, that's so sick that they're portraying all these people, and me the... and it's right. Disney, so they have the money, the money to uh, do more make them good
0: characters, and, and like, they can yeah, make like... them good. They like they have enough, of, like they offer enough of, of a budget to the filmmakers to make like the best version that that's possible. But, but man, there's so many filmmakers I've, making so many movies. I've, just... I've
1: grown up like, with it, dude. I've seen Spider Man in seven different iterations. Like what the yeah, like, it's what? Too much
0: yeah but it's too yeah. much and it's, it's 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 not that disappointing to me because i'm not really huge uh into superhero comics or or the films i never have like obviously I, like you know i'm a, I'm a big batman guy I like everything that batman's done. i love the batman movies in the 90s and the comics and the the rubber pants since last one if you did yeah you got Patton, yeah circling back in today's film um but uh, no I, I but i feel for what i was trying to say was i feel for the superhero fans in america and where the state of that shit's going, either you love it because you're just getting so much or you're like you, which I think is a lot of people where they're just like, this is um, this market is now like so flooded with like um, new characters and characters of old being redone and reshaped. And I don't know, it feels to me like, I've noticed this a lot with even TV shows and and just everything in media. I, it's a little disappointing to see how, how few original ideas there are
1: nihil nave sub soul there is nothing new under the sun they're just taking ideas and redoing them
0: they really are and that's why. and that's why a film like the lighthouse is like so uh breathtaking because talk about a unique and original idea although not completely well, original yeah it's loosely based, based
1: off a bunch of things
0: but no film had been like there's there's other iterations this is technically a remake because it has been done um there were earlier renditions of the film and we'll talk a little bit about that but um Largely the film is, and its vision, the Eager's vision is so unique. It stands, it stands totally alone. Like you can't, I would never, I could never put this film in, in the camp of like, wow, I can't believe they made another one of those. Like it's just so bizarre and unique in its own way. And we'll, we'll talk about that, but I would, I did want to have one more quick film from 2019 that I think was in my opinion, the best film of that year. And that was Me 1917.
1: Do. Yeah. I'm there with you.
0: You're with me on that one, yeah. 1917. The I think it's like the whole film was two shots. I know that was like the thing for the film, but like that—that's that ability of filmmaking from Sam Mendes to like do a film like that, like a Saving Private yeah. line where the whole film is two shots, is like it's un- right. It's unheard of. And so- talk about unique ideas, right?
1: so i was enthralled with the joker absolutely loved it like i would Likewise. give the joker like a like a nine dude nine and a half uh
0: my two 19
1: too. yeah but joker didn't do that shit didn't have me like in like emotional like i was like in like tears like with yeah. that like it's uh, yeah. it was a lot easier for me to like you know put myself in that situation you're just thinking like you get drafted to war like you have a brother and another like you know in mm-hmm. another platoon and you're like i just gotta find him you're like it's gonna be fine because i'm just like gonna go and find him and it's like i don't know dude it's it's rough like you just you there have for been... he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be there <laughs>
0: he, <laughs> he does do not it. well they also have like i mean there's just we, we we could do a podcast on that film we we definitely probably should but i would say there's three there are three war films that have come out in the probably, well, let's see, this would be the last five years, five or six years total. There are three war films that I genuinely consider to be three of the top five greatest war films ever. And that and those three are Dunkirk, which we talked about. Um, we haven't done a film, an, an episode on it, but we talked about the film a little bit in uh, the previous film episode. Um, 1917 and All Quiet on the Western Front. I was going to say, I knew it was Western. All Quiet. All three of those films are truly all time greats. I can't believe that like they don't. Um, I know that war films. There's a lot of war films, and I'm they kind of died out a little bit though. Like they they stopped really making them, um, uh, especially like big budget ones were just not a thing. So now when they do make them, I think and and there were a lot of World War II movies from like 1981 until probably 2008 or so, and then they kind of just stopped making them. Um, I mean, they did they, not entirely, of course, but like the big, the bigger ones in the, in the critically acclaimed ones kind of disappeared for a little while there, but um, boy, those three, and I know they're not all World War II's, um, 17 is World War One, So it's all quiet in the Western front, but there are those three films, boy, they will leave you shaking. <laughs> they will rattle your bones truly. I mean, they're, they're tough to watch. They're riveting. Um, I think Dunkirk, in my opinion, is the best of the three. I think Dunkirk's I'll wait until I see Oppenheimer, but at this point in the game, I think Dunkirk was the best thing Christopher Nolan's ever done.
1: So the thing is, too, that movie's PG-13.
0: Yeah, like, he managed to do it, like, very commercially uh, available. Like, there's not a lot of blood or gore. It's a war film, but it's just – it's the sound editing and the – just the shot sequence that like it just pulls you in where you actually feel like you're in the and the, the way it cuts in between each character. I mean, there's a ton we can. We're not gonna. I, you know, I I don't want to do a disservice to that film by trying to chalk it up into a couple sentences here. But like, I will say when we saw that, I saw that with you in the theater and it was like, mm-hmm. Jesus, man. I remember like my palms being like sweaty watching. Man, it. I
1: felt wet. <laughs> not from like I, like okay from All like right, the water is, and that's stuff. you now now you're now yeah. You're, okay no we gotta, yourself. we gotta relax we gotta start thinking about what we're saying no oh, yeah. i felt like uh like gross like i felt soggy from like you know i felt like i was in the boat i'm like man this is rough
0: yeah another killian murphy though i mean man he he's he's had an amazing resurgence of his career he was the scarecrow um but goddamn that movie yeah well, 17, 1970 did the same thing. I remember seeing that in the theater and being just like gripped by it, just totally gripped by it. Like, you, you can't
1: look, you can't not be gripped by it because, because of how it's shot. It never gives right. a, it never stops. It's just boom, boom, bam, boom, bam. And that's, dude, it's just, that,
0: it's forceful. It's just it, forceful. Yeah, all like, all quiet on the Western front was like a good mix of the two because it like calmed down and there's like these beautiful moments. But that's that a
1: more, that's a more accurate like description of, or like a feel for like trench warfare
0: yeah yeah i would say that's true
1: you're just hanging out and then it is everything it's just yeah i think
0: all quiet on the western front was a really good um yeah like you said it's like a very good representation of what war was probably like because it shows like the downtime um in between battles whereas like 1917 and dunkirk work as films better like yeah as like a whole story yeah they like they come in like breakneck speed and like just kick your ass for two and a half hours. Whereas all quiet on the Western front will like it kind of pulsates. Okay, well,
1: that's, it's one of the only ways you can actually like give like the fog of war in like a film is by like yeah. having the downtime, like what's going on, what's the next attack going to be like those get ga- the gas attacks. Like that, that's oh terrifying.
0: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The mustard gas scenes are just like, Jesus, especially when they're in the bunkers, like, Dude. good Lord, it's just horrifying. It's just a horrifying and heralding experience to watch those films. And you got to imagine for someone's that, gas mask, and you're like, give me yours. <laughs> I'll take anybody's because it's life or death. Like, mm-hmm. well, do you know that, like, most all three of those films don't happen and they don't look the way they look without saving Private Ryan? Oh, yeah. Like, that's period that's that's not even debatable like spielberg is basically in some way responsible for those types of war movies existing because he he shook the entire country up with saving private ryan where like like war war, World war ii veterans were going into the theater in 1996 or 95 whenever that came out and like not being able to sit through the, the normandy scene like their ptsd was like being like um it was like resurging because like that film was too it was too realistic like they were like obviously it was like kind of like when the passion of the christ came out where like people would just come out of the theater sobbing because right like, how, because was just, just too intense and too, unrelenting. Real. too yeah. much reality like way too close to real and like unrelenting and like i actually get that a lot like i understand that it's a film and like you know I, you could be critical in some way that like just recognize that it's a film and it's not real but like if you if you walk out of the theater and a movie has moved you in that way to bring you to tears or sobbing, uh, you've done a good job as the viewer, you know. That that's my opinion. I don't I don't look down on people that like can't take. That means they they let the film absorb them. They were like. Right. Just take me in with you like they just they they let go it's kind of meditative in that way like they sit down and they dissolve you allow you
1: you allow yourself to truly feel like what you and the
0: filmmakers gotta love that too because the filmmakers like everything i worked for that's the audience capture i'm looking for where i'm like give like disappear into this film that i've worked so hard on and give me your full attention whereas like i don't think that happens much these days with you know cell phone i'll tell you what
1: Man, I'll tell you what—it's a lot harder ever since I started acting. Like, I'll watch like, like daytime like, uh like dramas, and I'm like, these guys are just after a paycheck, man. I was like, they're
0: just a popular name; they're not like active. They're just yeah. reading the script. Yeah, yeah, that's tough to see. Because it's tough so to it's, see because because you know what the limit like you like you know what the upper bound limit is like the ceiling. If you yeah. if you get there, you wind up with a movie like lighthouse exactly
1: so i i find myself just being like oh like all i had to do is just actually care like a little bit more in the acting so it's a it's a double-edged sword it's a there's a silver lining to it because while more of the media i see is not through rose-colored glasses the stuff that does get me involved is so much better because at the end i'm like oh my god like i was they brought me into a time period
0: well yeah, Which- it's so it's so great because that's what like that's what books do. That's what fucking mm-hmm. novels do. And, and stuff stuff I'm I'm just as much a victim as anybody else, but like like I don't read novels anymore at all. I have a hard enough time like piecing through a fucking nonfiction book, but like like I miss reading novels because I remember I remember back in the day, like back in high school and a little bit a few years after high school, like in my early twenties, reading quite a bit of, of uh of fiction and being like and disappearing into a different time period or a different location, like reading the example I always give when I explain this is the sun also rises, which takes place in like Paris and the lead char- the protagonist is uh, his name is Jacob, which I share that name with the character. So I could like, I remember like, I, I sunk my eyes into that story by uh, Ernest Hemingway. And I, like I disappeared in the book and I remember just like all of a sudden, like 140 pages were gone and i was just like and i finally lifted my head and i was i was back to reality and it was just like god like there's nothing like that and films film can do that in a lot of ways if you're if your filmmakers and your actors and your writers are all giving it everything they've got uh, and but as an audience you got to choose to do that too you can't you can't show up to the film with your laptop out and your computer out I and mean, or your uh um, i'm sorry your, your phone out and like barely pay attention and ex- and then i saw because that's half the thing is like you get people who are watching the film sorry to interrupt but like you get like people who are watching the film and then they'll walk and they're but they're half scrolling twitter on their phones and then they'll leave the theater and be like this movie fucking sucked and it was like I, I, you, you didn't pay attention to anything even yeah, if you could say it sucked but at least pay attention to it
1: i, I saw this one thing um i forgot exactly who said it but they when you get a movie ticket it's a commitment to do nothing but watch that movie like you can rent something at your house but it's a lot easier to like you know get some housework done kind of like you know do some other stuff get like you know make yourself a drink have a little do whatever you want but like when you go to the movie theater you got your popcorn you got the drink you mute your phone and then like it's just a commitment to do that you're going to Watch the film for what it's worth. If you can't stand it, then like walk out. But like, I, I think it's so disingenuous when someone pays money for a ticket and they're like, oh, I'll just go on my cell phone, which like, you know, ruined the lighting, got that just like bright light there. Yeah. But they're like, oh, I paid for it. Everyone else did. And they did that just so they could kind of get away from everything yeah. for you ever been doing
0: what's your worst um this is great because this is like a total uh, like nerd out film conversation but like what's your worst experience at the theater like yeah because i have one in mind for myself but i'm curious what uh like what's your worst movie going experience cinematically
1: so i would have to say there's this uh i have two one of them was just typical like you know teenagers just like talking like to the point where i was gonna like say something but i didn't because Mm -hmm. i'm a coward but either way like ended up (laughs) no you're just
0: listen being non-confrontational is fine and like it's just not worth it because you're just, you, you got to look at the end result. It's like, what what's are you going to be like, Hey guys, I'm really trying to watch this movie. Could you be, you could do it the nicest way possible. And they're, they're not going to
1: listen either you way. They're going to take you away from the movie even more. Cause then even further, cause now you're going to
0: stew, especially right. however they react back to you. It's, it's like, just do your best to just ignore them and then try to, try to and disengage with it. That's the best move. But
1: yeah. But the second one, I don't even want to say it's the worst. Cause it was wicked funny but it's definitely the worst thing I've seen in the movies. I went to see like one of the Jurassic park movies. Uh, one of the, like uh, I want to say like the second one, like Jurassic park two or Jurassic park three, maybe. And mm. these guys were sitting in like the side two seats and they had a, a tub of popcorn. And before the movie even started, they would take the popcorn, dump it on the floor and then the other guy would go get a refill. Then they'd come back, they'd dump it on the floor, then get a refill. Dude, they did that like, like five, six times. And the popcorn was just like up to the seat. Like it was like there was a oh pile God. of popcorn. And like I was there with my uncle. We're just looking over like flabbergasted. Like no one wanted to tell him to stop because they just want to see how far it's going to go. But they're just laughing, just throwing the popcorn on the ground. They're Like if I'm paying for it, I'm getting my money's worth
0: that's insane Do they were they eating it off the floor like well, i don't understand with like the benefit no i think What's they i think
1: they were just looking for attention because they like Jesus. they ended up getting kicked out when because i'm telling you they did this while the lights were on it wasn't like let's be oh, they weren't even, yeah they were dude, looking
0: to be they're looking we, to be funny
1: we came into the movie theater just pile of popcorn and then they just <laughs> it kept going back and forth and then like yeah the guy comes through the, with the <laughs> stick and he's like dude
0: yeah, what's that poor bastard gonna say to you? Like, guys, just get the fuck out. Just you gotta out.
1: clean... You gotta clean a literal, like, whole bin of popcorn.
0: Like, a whole, like, ten. of it man. on the floor. Yeah. trash that's, bag. That's some shitty... That's some shitty behavior. Yeah, you see a lot of that. I don't... I don't recall... I've been to so many movies, I don't really recall, like, the, what the worst is, but, like, recently, I remember going to see... um Jeez, it's tough to remember. It might have even been Joker, actually, now that we're talking about it, because I, I was like... I know... <laughs> Well, yeah, nice. Um, and it, it it was one of it was either Joker or, um, Christ, there was a I know what theater it was, and I only saw a couple of movies in that theater. I think it was Joker. We'll just say it was, and it was um, it was just the same story. Just people, just just a couple of folks behind us, just like the they were just like laughing. They were just and la- was just like I am not trying to be quiet at all. I'm just gonna laugh as loud as I possibly can. And we are talking, whatever we're joking about, it has nothing to do with the film. We're gonna do this for two hours straight, just the whole thing. I was just like, why Why are you even here? Why did you waste your money? Like, I don't even understand. Like, it, like go to, the, go to a church or some shit. Like, you're like a child in church. Like, that's what kids in church do during mass. They like sit in the back and chuckle at each other because it's like, you're not supposed to laugh. But like, why would you spend money to go just like chuckle in the back row for two hours? So, like that one, I don't get. Is like, I you spend your own money to go to the theater, and like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem worth it to like. And you are also bothering other people. So, like, what? I just don't get it. I don't see what the, I don't know. Some people just fall into the spell of like that's like a spell of of laughter sometimes, where like you just can't yeah. you get into a laughing fit and it's over. But like, I don't know. And then Have it's you like ever been to a two police. a two hour one? you are been in a two hour laughing fit? That's absurd to me. I, I don't even know how that's possible, but that's what I experience. Yeah, um, no, I did. Mm, it's rough. It's rough.
1: Yeah, that's weird.
0: Yeah. Bizarre. But uh anyway, so 2019, a pretty monster year uh for film. Um, like you said, you kind of hit the big ones, the box excuse me, the box office uh hits were, were Avengers, Lion King, Frozen 2, Toy Story Four, um the weakest one of the bunch, um, as far as I'm concerned, but still very good. Um, but definitely not as the three, the first three were like my, my daughter is obsessed with them, and I'm—I couldn't be happier to watch a, a kids movie. Those three, the first three, are just so good. I—I I don't mind watching them anytime. Um, they're great. Uh, but the fourth one was still good, but not like not quite on that level. Um, what else came out that year? Just before we move on, A Star Is Born came out. I thought that sucked. Um, in my opinion. I know that's an unpopular one. A lot of people like that movie, but I thought it sucked. Dave Chappelle's good in it. Um. I did not uh, I did not enjoy it. Uh Vice came out that year that was Christian Bale playing Dick Cheney. Uh mm-hmm. you remember that one? That was uh that was okay. Yeah. It was okay. It was like um a little too political for me. I kind of got the sense that they were more interested in pushing a, a you know a, a political message that I actually probably agree with, but like I mean, Dick Cheney was just like an evil bastard and like I think they were I would have preferred it to just be a little less like um about trashing the piece of shit that dick cheney was and a little bit more about like being like as historically accurate just like i just play it straight it's more legitimate if you just play it straight instead of like just like constantly trying to ensure like we all know dick cheney's back guy. like most of the country's pretty aware that like dick cheney was like pretty rotten and had some like is a billionaire on like raytheon and all that and Mm -hmm. whatever else he was involved in um but easy uh, money you know why yeah. it's
1: easy money? Because like they spend billions and it gets blown up. Military and like free dollars.
0: Yeah, literally free. It's military industrial complex. It's the shit that Dw- Dwight D. Eisenhower like warned everybody about when he was leaving office in the fifties, and it totally came true. But um that aside, it was it was an okay film. It was like an enjoyable film in terms of that it was, I guess, entertaining. But um I I just as far as those types of films go, um, especially if you're talking about a person a a, a biographical film that's like on a person who's still alive um i guess it's just i would i would prefer it to just be like play a little more down the middle just focus on just telling the story um instead of kind of just kind of like there's because there's actually scenes in the film i believe that are like satirical and like intentional they're like not accurate intentionally they're like more like fantastical to just kind of um amplify what a bad guy he was and i just i could have done without that that's that's just me um uh that's basically it oh one more uh if beale street could talk that was that was fantastic um that was really 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 good like it was like a romance about uh, a young black couple in i believe uh, louisiana new orleans um and it's a romance romantic film but like it had a lot once again lot of racial stuff in the film to uh sink your teeth into that was like really captivating at the time especially in 2019 holds up pretty well today too um so give that a peek pretty good year for film what do you think like one of i I feel like this was kind of the end of a of a pretty good run in cinema this was like kind of the last pretty solid year i think things kind of tapered off in the next couple years and they're uh uh, i mean covid probably had a lot to do with that too but i feel like things are starting things are starting to ramp up now right you think so
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, no, no. Cause the writers,
0: uh, Oh, right. Well, yeah. I writer mean, strike. Yeah, that's no, true. Yeah. they, they were. So, they it, the writer's strike is definitely going to hold things up, but I just mean what's what is coming out and what has come out in like this year and probably the last like 12 months has been like much better, better direction. Oh yeah. So on that note, that's the, that's the, uh, that's our section on, uh, the film, the film scene in 2019. So, uh, with that, We've uh we've covered all of our bases. Our introduction is complete. That being said, we're gonna take a short break. Erin and I are gonna step away for just a moment. When we come back, we are talking about a 2019 absolute masterpiece, The Lighthouse, written and directed by Robert Eagers. Hang tight and we'll be right back. <sighs> folks welcome back we are talking robert eager's 2019 uh sophomore film his follow-up to the witch um uh, the lighthouse this is a monster film in terms of what to discuss a um where to begin is, is almost difficult but let's let's talk about robert eager's for just a quick moment before we dive too deep into the film because we are definitely going to do that um robert eager's um, his debut film, a um, lot of the same, you, you saw the first two films that he put out, which were, the which was The Witch and then Lighthouse. And like, they both kind of followed in each other's footsteps a little bit because of the, uh, specifically for the, the script purposes, um, using authentic language from the time in which they, they took place. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Errol, have you seen The Witch? Has that hit your radar? Have you uh, gotten a chance to see that at any point?
1: no but i've seen the northmen and the one take i have on uh the uh Egers brothers is they are like set period place like gods like yep, for sure uh-huh. there's not a yep. lot of other people out there making like more authentic feeling like just take you away to like a distant place, My
0: place. yeah well he's obsessed and I, and in a couple of interviews i, I listened to him he's like He's very, very, very meticulous about historical accuracy, and this they wove this is, they wove the sweaters for the lighthouse. God damn, the I did department. not know that. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean that's an authentic authentication of, of filmmaking you're just not going to get from another filmmaker in this era. Um, um, and it's, I mean, it's just he's he's uh, one of the more promising filmmakers. I'm glad we're talking about him so early in the podcast because I do think he is the guy to watch um but speaking of uh speaking of the northman uh so you did see the northman that was the follow-up film to this um and i i loved it it got weird reviews like uh, some people loved it some people thought it was like kind of like uh gore porn or like like it was uh, uh, not no. torture porn but like you I, know. Don't, I don't think well, so, i didn't too. think the violence was accessible the violence was it was a little um in excess because of the time period in which the film like it's basically um hamlet right like the story is hamlet
1: yeah pretty much and it's it's almost like people are just so used to like the gun violence of just pull your finger and then someone goes on the ground like the human body is frail and resilient like everybody's
0: nude in that film everybody's got their shirt off somebody's get like you see it all it's fantastic Mm -hmm. um but like what that's what makes the filmmaking so like impressive is because it's really like um it's beautifully shot. The Northman is a gorgeous film in terms of the lighting and like um, actually I I, call, I say that it's Hamlet. Right. But I believe what I read was that this the film was actually based on the uh, Nordic tale of which Hamlet was actually based by Shakespeare. Shakespeare wrote Hamlet like actually after this supposed Nordic tale. So like oh. Shakespeare fucking better enough. He got that copyright infringement. Well, no, that's
1: just, time. everything's a retelling, just like The Lighthouse here. We just, yeah, we just said that. Like yeah, I said, too. Nate, and Shakespeare's. Me, I'm, sh- sub-
0: I'm sure that the version written by Bill Shakespeare was, uh <laughs> I'm sure it was an improvement upon the original Nordic, you know, tell, nice, storytelling. Nice but.
1: enough tale to inspire him, though. But yeah, no, like I said. Must early. have been good. Must have been good, There's yeah. A, nothing new under the sun. There's no feeling that hasn't been felt before. There's no archetype that hasn't that's going to just emerge tomorrow in some person.
0: Yeah. And like the theory, also the theory of theory that, to, that kind of like placates that in some ways is that anything that hasn't happened eventually will, or could anything that could happen that hasn't happened eventually will should enough time lapse. I mean, that's, that's um, like philosophically true. Um But uh, anyway, so The Northman uh, was a great film. I I thought it was great. So he's three for three in my book. Um, Forthcoming, though, is, and I don't know when this is scheduled to come out. I think they're wrapped on the production side of things. Um, When the release date is, I'm not sure. But he has uh, remade Nosferatu, um, which is the original Dracula, basically. Um, And he actually did, that was actually his first film, I guess. He made like a, I don't know if it was a short film or it was like, an indie film that just never really made it um or couldn't get budgeted so i don't know if he actually got finished the project but i know that it was in his wheelhouse early in his career and now he's revisiting it with like a bigger budget and because of the success of his first three films he's going to take all that success and roll it right into nosferatu um i'll be curious to see if anybody like it works i mean come on it, it works perfect for him like that's him right Like he's got that, he's got that, that market. That's, that seems to be his style of filmmaking. I think he'll do a great job with it. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that too. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So sinking into the lighthouse, uh, 2019 written and directed by Robert Eagers written also alongside him. It was his brother, Max, Max Eagers that wrote it together. Uh, you got your cast number. (laughs) I mean, the cast is, uh, literally the whole entire film is basically two characters, uh, and and I guess it's there is a third character. There is a, a mermaid. Uh, the mermaid is played by um, Valeria Caramon. Um, there and...
1: are multiple characters. At least multiple characters mentioned. As far mm-hmm. as characters portrayed or physical characters, uh, I would say there is one, two, three, four, five six seven and then eight if you count the seagulls
0: right yeah because they and they represent a lot of things so like they represent like the souls or whatever but um in terms of casting in terms of like the acting yeah like there there are four care there are four characters with actors and then there are what errol's going to dive deep into and we're going to we're going to piece apart is going to be the the other um attributable characters in the plot and the philosophy of the film um but let's let's just introduce uh first and foremost robert pattinson as Ephraim winslow slash thomas howard um and willem Dafoe as thomas wake those are your two leading performances um before we get into our theories errol what did you think about just the pure fucking acting juggernauts that these two were and uh and what they, what they were able to accomplish with this film So, I
1: think uh, what they did was absolutely amazing. Um, How hard would it be to just, just you and someone else, just making a whole story uh, and like a believable one? Uh, It's, I believe, uh, Willem Defoe approached uh, Mr. Eagers. And then I think uh, he was also working with Robert with something else, or Robert's like, I want something really obscure. And he was like, if this isn't obscure enough or if this isn't challenging enough, I don't know what, like, yeah. to offer you. So they, both Yeah, Pattinson,
0: went- well, Pattinson, Pattinson specifically asked him, he was like, yeah, like, I'm not doing any blockbusters. Um, like, I'm looking to do something, I'm looking to shift my career into doing something. I he I think he put it, um, I'm paraphrasing, but I think he, I think he basically said he wanted to do something really fucking weird. And yeah. And he wanted to do it. He wanted to he wanted to play a fucking crazy person. And he's an eager sent in the script and was like, if, if you're looking to get crazier than this, then I don't know where you're going to find it. And he was like all in. Um, and so here's the thing. This is
1: exactly what you get with a project of passion. This is exactly everyone involved wanted to be involved with it. And they I don't
0: think a party. single person cared if they, if they made money from this movie.
1: Dude, down down to the like I was saying, down to the costume department. They were knitting those sweaters to make them mm-hmm. period accurate because yep. they couldn't find them anywhere else.
0: Right? Yeah, because it's 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 well. Let's let's introduce the plot a little bit. So like, basically, the film um, and the film is about a lot. It's about a lot of things, but let's just uh, I'll just introduce it in like the most rudimentary way I can. Um, it's basically um, visually. It's it's actually the plot is sourced particularly from a 19th century legend of a particular accident that happened in uh, Wales off the coast of Wales. Um, and it was uh, about a small lighthouse that uh, about 20 miles off the coast. And um, two men, um, you know, there's the lighthouse keeper and then there's what's known as the wiki, uh, which I think is hilarious. That's such a great uh, cause like, The wick, like you're like you tend to the lighthouse to you tend the flame, you maintain the light. So the wiki is like such a cool name for that. Um, but basically the story is that the story goes as uh two men stuck on an island, um attending to a lighthouse, keeping to a lighthouse, maintaining the um condition of the building and the operation operability of the of the light. So obviously ships can navigate. Um they End up getting stranded, and um, the waters become too, uh, as it's quoted by uh, one of the characters, too rageful um, for rescue. They are stranded there for um, the amount of time is actually a little bit unclear. The folklore is um, in the original like story. I, I'm not really sure how long it's not indicated how long it is, but it, I guess the story takes place in like the early 19th century, like 1801. Yeah um,
1: it, yeah. almost I think that's like a, The exact time period where they put it at
0: uh, Yeah just about right
1: Yeah the reason for the apprehension Was uh, they were known to Publicly quarrel So just two guys in a Lighthouse and then Yeah there was an accident one of them died Being the suspicious
0: guy. Yeah, yeah so he's like I suspicious can't Suspicious how it happened
1: Yep he's like I can't just I need to explain myself He needs to you know be around I need to you know make a coffin for him. And so like he did that so um, he could explain himself when they came by. So he didn't just like, you know, throw him off the side of that lighthouse. And uh, yeah. And well, I guess was-
0: the, I guess when, I guess when the original character like returned home after being relieved of his duties, finally. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll read the story right now. Uh, this is courtesy of obviously Wikipedia, but this is what this story um, I'll read it off quickly. Cause it's short on Wikipedia. This is the actual original story. That inspired the lighthouse. Um, uh, The old lighthouse brought about a change in lighthouse policy in 1801 after a gruesome episode, sometimes called the Smalls Lighthouse tragedy. Thomas Howell and Thomas Griffin, both named Thomas, uh, the two-person team that managed the lighthouse were publicly known to quarrel. When When Griffith died in a freak accident, Howell feared that if he discarded the body of the sea, authorities might accuse him of murder. As Griffith's body began to decompose, Howell built a makeshift coffin for the corpse and lashed it, lashed it to an outside shelf. Stiff winds blew the box apart and the body's arm fell within view of the hut's window. As the winds would blow, Gus would catch the arm and move it in a way that made the appendage appear to beckon. <laughs> in, spite of, in spite of his former partner's decaying corpse and working the lighthouse alone, Howell was able to keep the house the house's lamp lit. When Howell was finally relieved of duty, the impact of the situation was so emotionally taxing that his friends did not recognize him. As a result, the governing body changed the lighthouse policy to make lighthouse teams' rosters of three people, which continued until the automation of British lighthouses in 1980s. So, um, that's the original story of what it's based on, and uh, this film takes that to a whole another place, right? But
1: that's crazy, just because... uh... Uh, the whole time, uh, uh, Thomas Howell was just uh, thinking that, like, the dead body was just beckoning him. Calling him, like, Yeah. Calling on
0: him. And waving. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just literally as horrifying as it could possibly be. And, like, he was stuck with it for, like I said, it doesn't actually indicate how long he was on the island. Um, but it's, if he was far enough, he's, you know, he's far enough away, 20 miles off the coast. So if that's if if you can attach that to this story, I I would assume that that's probably pretty close. Um, So that's actually kind of the plot of the film. However, Uh, in our film, it's a little different. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, quick anecdote about that lighthouse before we uh, Mm. uh, steer off it forever. There was a disaster in 1931 where the tower was assaulted by a wave of such proportions, the floor of the Keeper's room was torn up and slammed against the ceiling, injuring the Keeper's one so badly that he just died. Boom, just dead. Uh, The damage was repaired and the lighthouse survived another 30 years before they replaced replaced it. This... The focal height is 118 meters. Yeah. So... Jesus Christ. No, sorry, no, 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 sorry, sorry. 36 meters. 118 feet. 118, 118
0: feet. 118 feet. Yeah, this so, like, wave, here's my opinion. Tear that motherfucker down and build a new one. This place well, so, is cursed. You never kill a seabird.
1: Right, someone must have messed up there. So and, like, the thing seabird. is, seabird. if that wave came in, it was over 80 feet. If it wasn't a tsunami, like, from an earthquake, that's just a rogue wave. That's just crazy yeah. wave out of nowhere sweeping over and just throwing you up against the ceiling. That's, uh, that's Poseidon's Trident.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like, and we're going to, we'll, we'll be getting into that here in a moment. Um, yeah, well, let me just introduce, I'll, I'll actually just tie that into, um, the actual, um, so the film kind of does a little bit of tweaking to that uh, to that, um, the lore of that original lighthouse story. Um, we push ahead to the 1890s or, or pushing ahead to about 80 years, Or so. Um, And your lead character, Robert Pattinson, playing Ethan Winslow, um, which you later discover is uh, a name adopted by a man he watched die, his previous um, employer. Uh, begins a four-week stint as a wiki on an isol- isolated island off the coast of New England under the supervision of former sailor Thomas Wake. In his quarter, Winslow discovers a small scrimshaw of a mermaid and keeps in his jacket. Wake immediately proves to be very demanding, subjecting Winslow to taxing jobs such as emptying chamber pots, maintaining machinery, carrying heavy kerosene tanks up the stairs, and painting the lighthouse while bearing while barring Winslow from the lantern room. So this is what kind of goes on. So he discovers obviously the uh, fetish item of the mermaid in the mattress. And he's getting basically tortured, um, by, by, uh, by Thomas wake his employer played by Willem Dafoe and, uh, basically just forcing him to work, you know, work, work like a dog, um, as he calls him a filthy dog. Um, but, uh, so that's, that's how things kind of kick off and things just get weirder and weirder as the film progresses. I mean, um, the, the darkness in which, um, I mean, what did you think about? I guess a good place to start was like, what did you think about the like the fourth wall breaking, uh, shot where they're both just like staring at the camera next to each other for the first time? It's like kind of the first time you see them together. What do you think about that shot?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's a uh, reminiscent of, uh, the two sailors painting.
0: Yeah, uh, not only that, but uh, well, for before. me, Uh, yeah i I could see that i could definitely see that but what more so what it reminded me of is and this is this is the acting right and i think they were inspired i think defoe and uh, pattinson were inspired by um they must have gone back and done this like went to like the 1890s and looked at like whatever films they could find from that because they do this amazing job where like people back then were so fucking awkward with cameras like I think that they they were trying to emulate in that scene that like, it's almost like a breaking the fourth wall because they're looking at the camera the same way that people used to look into a camera in the 1890s. Cause it just like this foreign technology.
1: Like you're, you're not like, laughing. You're not smiling. You're not making a character. You're just, no, you're just like, kind of looking at it and your
0: head's kind of like waving in in both directions back and forth. And you like a couple of blinks, but you don't know to wait. Like if you ever look, there's a film called um, uh, they shall not grow old um about and it's basically peter jackson like um refurnishing you might you've seen it i'm sure Um, Mm -hmm. well just to explain to the listeners like it's a film if you haven't heard of it it's a film that kind of like refurnished all of the old footage from world war ii or as much as could be found and um solarizing it and like cleaning it up and making it like hd and like it's the same thing like people just in the earliest early 20th century did did not really know how to interact with like cameras and this particular shot of our two um, protagonists or antagonists or our one protagonist, depending on your theories, um, staring into the camera just was so emblematic of like, of like how people would look at cameras back then. Like they do like this amazing job. Like if you pulled that out and like kind of dirtied it up a little bit, you could actually be convinced that these two individuals were, uh, you know, from another from another century
1: oh yeah for sure
0: um but uh yeah so that that kind of introduces the film and where where the film goes from there is obviously pretty pretty deep what did you think about the choice to go black and white the film is entirely in black and white front to back what was your uh good choice or bad
1: I don't think it would have been as good if it was in color
0: i don't know that it would have it would be a, a whole different film yeah yeah, I think it was the best. I think it was one of the better choices of the uh of the cinematographer who was Jim What about the uh the aspect ratio? Oh, the uh, 35 millimeter? They're like literally boxed in. <laughs> yeah, it's so smart, right? Yeah, I'm so with you. I'm so so with you. Yeah, that like the the uh 119, what is it, one nineteen one or nineteen sixteen? Um like where it's just it's literally pushed in so tight that like you you feel the um i know it was shot on a 35 it was shot on 35 millimeter which is like basically half of what the imax uh theaters are shot or films are shot on um but which i think it's pretty much almost as big as you can get but like you're totally right and it also makes it seem like you're it, once again it makes it seem like you're watching film from uh from the 1890s or looks like the a early 20s. yeah exactly it looks like a like almost like a disposable photo from like the early 20th century like it really and i do like what you're right it definitely does that thing where it kind of gives you a sense of of like um entrapment almost no that's a good touch yeah i thought that was really good um Another inspiration for the film was uh Edgar Allan Poe's um unfinished story, uh The Lighthouse, um, which was it was also I mean that that poem or a short story was like based on the same thing, the the 19th century legend. Um uh, so not too much different there. Um, Errol, you got any theories? Let's let's dive into the to the good stuff here. What's your theory on um then what what is your take on some of the mythology and like first of all I guess the, a good place to kind of transit transition us into that is
1: um right before um, we do that then it would feel really disingenuous not to uh, mention the sound uh production foghorn uh so the foghorn and just um a lot of the uh, music design uh so the gentleman or one of the composers uh Mark Corvin yeah he made like this or he made it in, I don't think it was specifically for this movie, but it's called the Apprehension Engine. And it's just like a hurdy-gurdy and like a bunch of like weird sounds just to make all like the horror movie and just like uneasy noises. And so like, yeah, there's just stuff in this that's, you know, been done before, but like, it's just weird to see them. Like if you watch them experiment with the Apprehension Engine, it's a, uh, you can really see how they made like the feel for it and the hurdy-gurdy is so appropriate for the time period too so oh yeah like the, uh, the uneasy uh accordion or uh what is it the uh uh yeah like the uneasy like accordion like it just sounds like a lazily played or like a poorly played accordion like it's really a sets the eerie spooky mood it's not a yeah. jaunty c-tune you know what i'm saying
0: well, I'll get to, I'll definitely dive a little bit into some of like um, the filmmaking inspiration side of things. Cause like, I definitely have a bunch to say on that, but I will tell you this and like, this is no, this will be no surprise to you. And there are a million moments in this film where you can draw um, a straight line from one to the other. But like, I mean, the music was a great place to, to start here because I can see so much of the shining in this film. And the music is exactly that. Like, just the ominous, drony sounds of the music. Uh, I, I mean, it is... A, it, I guess this, we'll just dive right into it, Errol. I mean, is this a fucking yeah, horror I'll movie? Do- is it a horror film? Like, could you categorize it as such?
1: So, I was on the fence, and for the longest time, or, like, while I was watching it, I was like, no, it isn't. It's a psychological thriller. The music sets the tone. It is a horror movie. X it's a horror, movie. horror exit murder and all how is this how yeah. is it that good, how is this that good of a movie where the guy literally pulls a head out of a uh out of a out of a lobster, lobster trap
0: and then the next scene is him like jumping and drinking merrily with the with the supposed and, killer and we're not like this is a horror movie yeah right yeah right exactly but just
1: a severed disembodied head that is it's fresh man there's the eye the other eye is still in there it's been like a week
0: yeah like he killed them he killed that man but, but yeah but here's what so this and okay so we're going to get into some of the theories because the head that he finds also looks like Ephraim from winslow's head right i mean it's unconfirmed but it looks like the it, so you see there's a scene at the end and listeners i'm just going to forewarn you we're going to jump all over this plot because there's just so much in this film and we have to take it organically because if we try to stay chronological, it's just going to be impossible to stay on a, on a linear path. So we're just going to jump all over the place. Um, I, I strongly recommend viewing the film a couple of times before diving into what we have to say about it. Cause Errol and I have um, some theories and we've also seen the film a bunch of times too. So like we, it's a little bit easier for us to kind of move around the plot and we're going to do that. But like there is a scene at the end circling back to what I was saying where um Thomas Howard's character uh, Robert Pattinson who is now revealed he spilled his beans about mm-hmm. about the about the uh watching his employer die his, his boss his, it was his previous boss I believe um when he was working in a lumber uh lumber yard or a, he was a lumberjack and oh, yeah and he he sees him across when he sees himself like he looks over and like the hallucinations are still taking place and um it's the same face as the head in the lobster trap am I wrong
1: no, no, it's definitely not. There's the so Ephraim Winslow is like the blonde-haired, like he looks In the like mustache, totally you're the blonde
0: mustache guy, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's that's uh, Ephraim Winslow. Like he he looks like a definite other person. It's a little bit the, oh, so the
0: lobster my, track head is a different person. It's I second. figured it
1: was because yeah. the the eyeless thing, and also it looks like that seagull, which would confirm that you know,
0: oh, um, a little bit, yeah, true. Tom wasn't yeah, selling pork
1: pies with the uh, with the souls of dead sailors.
0: Yeah. So, and and he, right. And the missing eye is the dead giveaway. I just thought that there was like a small resemblance, but once again, I, I, there's so much in the film. Um, it, it's, it's, it's very possible. So, um, I mean, what did you think about the, the, uh, well, I got, I want to, I got to know, like, how do you feel about like, um, is this a Testament to the writing or is like, you know, obviously, obviously we've already discussed the ears is, you know, hellbent on being like, accurate period piece like he is he will no stone unturned like the the dialogue's got to be right the clothing's got to be right the shots got to be right everything's got to look like the time period so you buy in but like this dialogue is so well written i it's what is this a transatlantic um nautical talk like I, I, it's and I, there is definitely some like um you know there's some sailor dialogue that's specifically Thomas wakes but Um, Pattinson's character is a little bit more Americanized and New England Oh yeah
1: I got like a little bit of Boston when he Starts Yeah, oh yeah it's
0: purely New England but like he still has a little bit of That transatlantic the dialogue Is still accurate for The period Um, But Wake's older so like he's older by Probably 30 years or so or It's perceived to be about 30 year Age gap so like his, his Nautical like Um I don't know how the exact word to describe his his language, but it's it's the it's cut of Ken, his jib. The cut of his jib is a good way to put it. It's very like, um, I mean, it's fucking beautiful. I don't like. I, I I I really love the way that it's communicated and the way it's written. Like I, I I could listen to it all day. I just I want more of it. I wish they would write a book. I wish they would write like a full book of this type of dialogue because um, it reminds me of a little Bobby bit Dick. of like.
1: What yeah, I got, guess
0: you could. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, true. Yeah. Well, I mean Moby Dick is a different story. I just mean this story would if this story continued, like the back and forths uh between the two, um, if I got more of that. But no, you're right. The M- Moby Dick's a great example of that, um, of that dialogue, and like nautical um dialogue. Um and I, I just love a movie like that because um that's and and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of my, my own theorizing here. It's not so much a theory, I think it's pretty pretty clear. I've got three very, very obvious Inspirations film wise, um, in terms of where I think Eager drew some big time inspiration. All three of these, specifically Kubrick. Um, we already discussed that, like, there's a lot of the shining in this film um, between the music and the act scene and the madness, like the going mad in an isolated place, like the survival, the survivalism aspect of the film, very much the shining, right? <laughs> Next, I have. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. Okay. Where yes. I see I'm sorry. Go ahead. You lost me. I lost you in 2001. I don't know how. 2001 A Space Odyssey. There is um, a scene, the scene at the end when the door opens, when that little glass door opens in to, oh, for him to see the light. Yeah. That's, that to me is the, the, um, the, um,
1: and like as the as the music grows or as the the droning
0: right yeah that, that's this that's i mean that happens three or four different times in 2001 A space odyssey specifically when any character in 2000 uh in 2001 is is interacting with the black object the uh the, there's like the uh, what is it called i'm sorry i'm I'm blanking on what what the black the uh, monolith the monolith. Thank you. I'm sorry. The black monolith. It, it, it's like very emblematic of that, where it's just mesmerizing, and you don't really. Well, you don't see what he sees in the light. It's a.
1: Uh, you know what they both are? Uh, in they're both uh, uh, Greek mythology. They're both a uh, or, or an Orphic egg. They're the cosmic egg. Oh, they okay. Are, okay. They're this the to predece-
0: Come in and help here.
1: Yeah, they're the They're the predecessors to change.
0: Oh, so, right. Well, well, I knew that about the monolithic aspect of things like they, like, especially in 2001, where every time it appears, there's an advancement in human evolution, like the introduction of weapons to chimpanzees, and then the, um, the uh, colonizing of another planet, and then eventually, um, interdimensional space travel. And in, in the third example in 2001. Um, but there's like a um there's like a hominini aspect of it too between, um, species, right? Like between the two species, like, like you have like the chimps and then the evolution to man, and then the evolution to like interdimensional time traveling.
1: Well, the species. yeah, it's the uh, evolution of chimps evolution of man. Then there's a the would be gap between evolution of man and the power struggle between artificial intelligence. Yeah, so it's right, like, right. cause that's what is going to be to
0: the next film. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, that's like, who would be the, uh, who is the person to carry the Promethean flame? Who is right. the person? Is it going to be artificial intelligence? Is is uh, is Hal going to kill him right then and there and just be right. you know done with it, or does man prevail as he's yeah, done?
0: It's it's a clear power struggle and like, um, um, well, uh, we won't. Do, I mean, we can't. We, we can't go too far into two thousand one, and and I I I will will we'll reserve a lot of that for another conversation. But the Prometheus aspect uh the prometheus aspect is found in this film errol i'm gonna let you take that away like introduce prometheus as a greek as an ancient greek god into the lighthouse
1: okay yeah no absolutely so prometheus was uh the greek god he was of fire uh, yes he was one of the uh, gods of fire he was a, a well he was a titan as well the supreme trickster uh So what he what he did is and here's the thing. When I first watched The Lighthouse right over my head, didn't even didn't even the even the Promethean pose at the end with him getting his liver picked out by right.
0: Well, that one slipped by me, too, because what I kept seeing was because like film nerd over here, like I absolutely all I saw was Hitchcock. Like Mm -hmm. the birds, the film "The Birds" by Hitchcock. Like I saw, and by the way, there is a lot of Hitchcock in this film. But like you're right, the Promethean, um, like uh, the fate in which he in which he meets. Uh, By the way, though, that fate is predicted by Thomas Wake. He he exclaims to him, yeah. He exclaims to him the the Prometheus um, the Promethean uh, end to his his as he's getting as he's getting. Subjects him to the yes, he subjects him to the to the wrath of Poseidon.
1: So here's the thing: he curses both. He curses both um, Ephraim Winslow, and he curses and Thomas Howard. And Thomas Howard, right? He does. Yeah. Uh, so uh, another another thing that almost slipped by me uh, like five minutes before we started this. So he was uh, he he pretty much just uh, took the gift of uh, fire and gave it to mortals, which is seen as knowledge, um, and that's definitely what. The light is here it's just if you ask me it's knowledge it's power it's promise it's um it's it's might be false hope if you ask me it might just yeah right because there's a survivalist aspect no so what it is i i believe it's pandora's box I think the light is category I think the light can be categorized as Pandora so
0: truly really, he actually refers to it as uh, Pandora I believe it's referred to in in the script at one point um, so
1: here's here's the reason why I think that is because uh um, as punishment uh, Zeus created a woman Pandora sent down uh, to uh, uh, what's his name uh, uh, at Ep- Epimetheus, yeah, Epimetheus. Uh, and then Prometheus, like, no, nah, don't mess with her. And then Epimetheus, Prometheus's brother, married her, and then she opened the lid that had all the horrors and evils, and disease and hard work. So honestly, I kind of think when he saw that, he just saw all the horrors. Even it was like that's why he was repulsed by it, literally repulsed from it.
0: Yeah, because but what it, is that? But I, I feel like it's. I feel like it. Um, the light represented like a more hedonistic um philosophy because like there's obviously all i mean hedonism is like strewn throughout the film in like some but it's obviously it's like or um it's like contradicted by a lot of like the tortures of like some like and i hate i hate to use this word because it's been a bit bastardized by like political um you know, the political aspect of the world now, but like it's contradict the hedonistic aspect is contradicted with like the toxic, the, the torture of toxic masculinity throughout the film. I don't mean just a socially political correct way. I mean like actual toxic masculine traits that are like um, self-inflicting and Mm -hmm. like, the light it, the light itself within the light um and obviously there's a lot of symbolism with the light but i i view it as like because there's obviously scenes throughout the film where thomas uh where wake is up and he's viewed from afar in the light and he's like pleasuring himself like there's something like sexual he's basking on. in it yeah 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 but well, why is it sexual? Because like that's that's what like, you, your theory it's, of knowledge is interesting, but it's not it's well because it's not sensually uh, self indulgent. So more... so knowledge
1: knowledge is power, and uh, uh, it's just uh, it's relief, it's relief of having that knowledge. And here's the thing too. Uh, so uh, one of the more well known uh, ties is uh, is uh, uh, Thomas uh, or old being a protus. Uh, one of the uh, gods. Oh, of the Proteus, sea. yeah, yeah, Proteus, Proteus and he, yeah.
0: the old man he, of the sea, that represents that—that's Thomas, right? Like the the first Thomas.
1: Yes, that's uh, the main jump for uh, for him, or the main like uh, parallel. Uh, mm-hmm. He he is uh, he knows past, present, and future. He's able to look into the sea, so he's able to see beyond, you know, see beyond sight, like old He Man uh with that um he doesn't necessarily like gifting that knowledge to to anyone right so uh
0: right and they treat but here's this is where like the sensu the the sensuality of like the the light i'm going to continue to uh, like not not push back i'm actually trying to like i'm trying to spin your wheel a little bit i'm like greasing yours while while spinning mine is like there's also like um cuz i want to i want to i want to almost um, match up your um, Greek philosophy with the Freudian, Jungian um, uh, psychological aspects of it. And there's definitely like a uh, there's a coveting of the light where their relation where it's treated almost as like a um, as a spouse by yes. Wake. He's he's treating it like a spouse, whereas like their dialogue as to, as to one to one another is like like you're not allowed to touch that, like, because because he's getting sexual pleasure from the light or whatever the light is supplying him or providing him. Like, he's doing everything he can to fend off this younger ver, this like younger, more studly version of himself. Well, that um,
1: too, and their and their dynamic is very much like uh, father son. Uh, yeah, he's like a stepchild to right. um to the light because he, like you said, he refers to the light as a as a woman, mm-hmm. but. Honestly, I don't I don't think like I said I believe that that light is the orphic egg slash Pandora's box it is the like object of change and eggs eggs historically or not historically but uh like eggs have always been um like androgynous they've always been uh like unisex because uh, it will is tra- change it's a transformation so uh, but with him, with him identifying that egg as a female, he sets that power uh, dynamic where he's like, she is for me. You listen to what I say and you like it, which sounds a lot like, you know, like a child dynamic.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. There's like, there's like a, like a, a protectiveness or, uh, you know, a, he's putting a, sh- like a, almost like a shell or a shield around it um which is as as eagers actually was quoted as saying the proteus figure that is more clearly nautical is somewhat based on the sea monster of endurer who carries a tortoise shell shield so this is this is this plays right in and there's a little bit of like he also indicates that it's uh, based on some like melville philosophy who's uh, who, who obviously he wrote Moby dick so like there's obviously that has to be a part of the um the writing here because just because of how of the a the period and b how the dialogue was written and how it it embodies the uh nautical seamen speak um yes so there's plenty of that there's also um i was curious are you familiar with anything i I know everyone's heard of lovecraft but like have you read any H P lovecraft specifically that would that you could um connect the film to um so
1: the only the closest one would definitely be the uh, mythos of like cthulhu uh, just because, like, the tentacles. Um, there's, oh, like, right. a... Yeah. Th- yep. So there's, like, loose... Uh, what is it? Like, Dagon? If I'm not... Yeah. Loose Dagon cult oh, the stuff. D- but,
0: yeah, the Dagonism, the cultist stuff is definitely in here.
1: Yeah. I think it's, like, a loosely based, but um, I don't think there is, uh, like, a... Ex- I don't think there's, like, a direct tie. Um, while he does seem kind of, like, culty with, like, the way he... Uh, like, handles the stuff, like, where he's, like, very secretive, like, he has a secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think it, it has as much as a Lovecraftian, because here's the thing, in Lovecraft, like, the, uh well, so, it's also about, like, madness, too, a lot of HP Lovecraft stuff, but there's not a lot of, uh, like cosmic horror there's not a lot of like existential it's supernatural very either yeah he doesn't he doesn't yeah. play so
0: much with the supernatural unless you would unless you would unless and science like, fiction to you is like it can, would fall in that camp which it wouldn't for me necessarily because science fiction is kind of entrenched in somewhat non-fiction or like yes anticipation of what could be non-fiction in the future um mm-hmm. but yeah lovecraft didn't really play with stuff like that that is like and, fantastical
1: and a lot of the stuff that was scary for him was like horrors beyond your comprehension. Like, it wasn't like, a, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, there's scary big stuff in the ocean. It's there's something old enough in the ocean that like used to be like the ruler of the land. And it's he's so powerful that if you look at him, you're going to go crazy. Yeah. Which is like you know, there's not really a lot of. Well, I mean, the the light itself is kind of Lovecraftian, where right. it has this power over everything and rules over the sea.
0: Well, also he's like he the like the I actually would think I actually would say that your theory on like his protection of the light and they're having like them having like a father son relationship or father stepson relationship where like he's coveting over thy mother if the light re- would represent like the um the the sensual source for thomas Wake's character and then the younger uh thomas uh howard slash um ethan winslow's character there is like he d- he kind of taps into some like and because he's playing with sexuality in the writing for thor right like there's a lot of like there's a lot of movement in the sexuality thing there's like um there's, there's a, a whole vag-
1: vagina on the
0: screen r- a mermaid vagina right and what's weird is like there were theories of like uh there were people were theorizing that the two characters were homosexual. Um, I would argue that that's kind of disproven because like, he's um, I don't think he is. Um, I mean, he could be, there's like almost bisexuality there. I think there's like an Oedipal, there's an Oedipus it's, it's referred to in Wikipedia as an Oedipal fixation. I think that's right. I think that there's like a coveting, the coveting of the light because uh, Wake is treating the light as the mother figure of all knowledge of all, of all power and he's like he's seeking it because of like whatever it is the toxic masculinity the pent up sexual well also
1: so here's yeah. the thing it becomes the the lay itself becomes an egregore which is right um, right, right true another it's another greek term so even before uh yeah. even before uh, uh thomas uh wilson was there he uh, the other light tender the other wiki was like that thing's that thing's literally salvation that thing is heaven like a,
0: yeah he became he became quote mad over it he thought that the yeah he thought it was literally, and he dude, refers that, to it specifically to salvation
1: and it's so hilarious when he's saying that scene because all the stuff is happening to uh to uh uh sorry to thomas to young that. yeah so while he's experiencing that he's uh Like he's like, all right, I just saw the mermaid. I heard the calls. I really want to see this light. And he's like, yeah, the last guy here went crazy. He said he heard mermaids and then also he wanted the light. So like, you better, you're crazy.
0: Well, he also like, I was noticing um, in my my very last viewing of the film. um, I remember the first time I was seeing it. I remember the, the first time that I heard him do something where I was like, oh, he's like actually trying to make him go mad was pretty late in the film where like he destroys the Dory at the end and he was because he just so he comes out with the axe you don't leave me which by the way there's like a that scene in and of itself is like a bit like um they have like a relationship clearly there's like a psycho you can't yeah. make a psychoanalysis about the relationship and it being potentially sexual like please don't leave me like if you leave me i'll kill you like type of like a toxic yes. relationship um but he kill he destroys the dory the life the uh the rescue boat, the wooden rescue rowboat that could get them. Well, once the seas calm. Yeah, and, like, and then he, he walks in. That, hmm. well, the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Stay on that. Yeah. No, what, what, while what he's
1: while he's uh doing that, he's wearing the life vest that's just wood.
0: <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Uh, you're talking about like, uh, T- Winslow.
1: Yeah, it's just so yeah. it's time period accurate.
0: It's and um, it, yeah,
1: seems like it's just basically but shims.
0: Also, it's wooden shims, just like lined it, by by some by some fabric.
1: So it's a, it's a callback to both um, when he was like, you know, a lumberman, he's like, you know, I got to This will help me or what You know what I mean? It's just like, Ooh, right. This yeah. was like a part of him and he's like going back to his roots. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not Ephraim Winslow, man. I got to get out of here. I was a lumberman. I got to, I'm, you know, I don't want it, anything to do with a lighthouse. I'm leaving.
0: And that, also, that at that point he had spilled his beans too. So his, yes. his cause this movie obviously also plays with identity. And mm-hmm. so, like, he he abandons his identity to come to the lighthouse, but then when he spills his beans, he starts refer, refer, reverting fully, back to his fully surrounds
1: himself, fully surrounds himself in the trees, like he was he, used to.
0: Exactly. Right.
1: And then, That's so, exactly. on top of that, from uh, the Promethean aspect of it, he knew he was going to have to deal with water, so water tree is good for, um, on top of, well, Some other than are, flotation. Constructed. Um other than flotation and, uh, let's say, like, knowledge, like, writing down pieces, of uh, like, you know, making paper. Um, oh, right. Okay. Fire.
0: Oh, right. He I wanted a, he needed a barrier. Aspect.
1: Yeah, he had a, he wanted a barrier. Like, so, worst case scenario, you'd be able to, like, you know, light a fire barrier between you and the water. So, it's not like a, direct, but that's, like, you know, that's, like, maybe a little too much of a stretch.
0: Yeah, um, you might be, you might be reaching a little bit, but I like what I like. But here's. Like Here's
1: less of a reach, though, with uh, with the uh, parallels between uh, Proteus and Prometheus. Proteus, uh, he's uh, associated with water. With water, his favorite thing uh, to do, his favorite pastime, is to drink. Oh, beautiful! Ephraim,
0: Ephraim yes. Winslow,
1: his favorite is... pastime is to smoke.
0: Oh, right. So there's drinking. He's always drinking smoking. and smoking. More elemental. Yes, yes. I, see, I see. So when he I see, when he, so you see when they, contrast, and then you see you see the, where the two where the two characters kind of uh are dissolving into the Greek mythology.
1: Exactly. When they fir- when they first meet, he's like, here's a shot, share this drink with me. Ephraim's Your looking. Thesis. Yes, he's he looking. He, he need he needs to stay clear. He's looking for the fire. He needs to keep a level head. He doesn't want he tells him, he's like, Oh, the sailors, they used to do that so you could keep them drunk. And he's like, Oh, like he's like, Oh, I guess you got us you know what i mean but that's like
0: yeah
1: uh here's the uh, proteus knows everything he doesn't need to know anything else it's better to just dull his you know sometimes the curse of knowledge is you know too much you just like you would want to drink and dull yourself so he's right. trying to dull prometheus prometheus right. would simply like to you know partake in the flame and you'll right. and, then, that
0: you're- and then the character and then prometheus the prometheus being winslow like d- he like almost devolves as he starts indulging in the drink.
1: Yes, and here's the thing too. He um, he devolves into madness. They
0: they they both
1: they both drink and they both smoke. They just one prefers the other. The other prefers the other. Um, and they make that what, clear. They make that very clear yeah, at the beginning. But um, but uh, old but old has a pipe, and whenever they partake, whenever they share the flame, they are. Sharing knowledge, they're talking to each other. They're sharing that. Whenever they're sharing the the uh, uh, the alcohol, they're sharing the ignorance. They're just like drowning in the sorrow. So, look, and you'll you'll notice if you watch it again. Whenever he's like, "Hey, like you know, light my light my pipe," and they share mm-hmm. that they're they're formidable, they're friends, and that's also yeah. kind of messed up with the dynamic because.
0: Well, he uh, says to him, he says there's actually a line that can support this too. Um, this is why this is conversation is so like enlightening because when you bring the Greek mythology aspect into all this, he actually he actually says to him, "You're only tolerable when you're drunk, or when you're drinking. One of the two, either drinking or drunk," which
1: mm-hmm. indi-
0: which is a pure indication that like that they have when they they're breaking bread or on common ground when sharing in each other's vices or in this yes. case not their vices but they're like their lifeblood.
1: That's when they're having the best time. But also that power dynamic doesn't work because you can't be the boss and then be a friend. It's either one or the other. But uh but old would like to have his cake and eat it too. And Ephraim is it makes them nihil- nihilistic.
0: Yeah, it, and it there's something nefarious. Him. There's something nefarious about um about uh Wake's character too, because I think he's planting seeds of 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 madness um throughout the film, especially at the like. He actually does it like two or three times early in the film that I had. So here's the before. thing.
1: I, I think, I think wake was not crazy, but here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing too. Got to go right back to the Proteus thing. There's a couple times in the movie and from all of the, uh, all of the film breakdowns and stuff that i've seen like they're like oh proteus is known to change his shape he's a shapeshifter, and you kind of see that in the film where he will change his shape. yep yeah, the tentacles when he kind of looks like where he like has like the uh like the coral on him and then changes into uh ephraim and then like oh and also you could argue when he was on top of the lighthouse when he looks at him and it's uh and thomas sees himself when young sees himself you could say that that was also him shape-shifting but i think the more important uh meaning of that is uh he he changes and he shapes and he forms the truth to how he feels it should be what he says is law like that's um uh, changeable in shape or form i think he util- utilizes that just to like what is going on um right. That's how he twists the words, and he doesn't. I don't think he he like doesn't care about that. It's his words law because he is the boss, anyways, and his power is to manipulate the truth, and that's what he does in the logbooks. That's what he does to uh, to young, and that's what he has done his whole life because it's literally his. It's what he is.
0: Right. Well, he definitely does that, especially uh in the scene where he, he destroys the dory and then and then indicates it. Well, he's also playing with time a lot too. Like he's he's like, like, he's like we've been here for weeks. He's been it's been two days, right? See, like, but how do you how do you know that uh that he's not lying? Well when you especially when you're mad, when you've already when you're already in a state of madness and the and what you're and you're in also in hallucinogenics like a, a hallucinogenic state where they
1: are drinking turpentine and honey and honey yeah, that yeah that's bad so, sipping
0: down kerosene and shit like it's, i tried to
1: bad. i tried to break that down and i think i might have got like dude all right so turpentine when you drink it yeah you technically will get drunk because it's like you know ethanol but it will it will blind you mm-hmm. it'll it'll you know make you it will blind you it will make you ignorant uh honey is sweet Uh, So when they're drinking the turpentine and the honey mixed together, like they're, they're just indulging in sweet ignorance. Mm. Like they don't care about like, you know, the job that they need to do. They're just like, we are just going to like go full bore and just like full on into the, uh, off the deep end almost literally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the aspects of the film that are um well let's get into like some of like the sexuality stuff because there's like obviously so you have you have like the homoeroticism that could be um you could dive into that based on like the the quote-unquote phallic imagery of the lighthouse um and i i think that's pretty intentional because there's like sexual fantasies and masturbation throughout the film and there is clearly like almost a sexual tension between the two characters. At one point, they actually almost like literally. So,
1: so, so here's the thing um, that does like come to a head Um, and think about it. uh, A sexual act or a physical fight is either way. Physical. They get to a point. And that's you could almost say it's part of the toxic masculinity. They right. get to a point where they are comfortable. They're slow dancing, they're slow dancing with each other, almost about um, to
0: kiss. And then they, they look at each fight.
1: they look at each other and they care about each other in that moment. Mm. Um, and the one yeah. thing that um, uh, that you could argue is uh, that would have saved them the whole time is human connection. But they didn't care about the connection; they just cared about the light and like and what about the meant. Yes, right. exactly. So when they both find themselves at that point of weakness. They still they they're still so worked up that they need to get physical, but they're not going to, you know, they're not going to kiss. They're not going to touch each other because that's that's gay and they're, you know, they're rough and tough sailors. So what do you do when you get what's the other way to get physical? You gotta you start, start fighting. You know, yeah. so that's why when he put up his hands, he's like, Yeah, and then the like, old fucking he, dirty he, dog. Yeah, he gave him the
0: old what, fucking dirty dog. He didn't <laughs> look
1: at him, he, like they both look at each other, they like look like they're gonna kiss, and then when he like put his hands up, he's like, he, that's that's the nicest they let they smile at each other. And oh he wasn't, yeah, like,
0: they're they were happy to do it.
1: Yeah, he wasn't like, Oh, we have to fight because like oh that he's like, Yeah, like that's a really good idea. Like that's you know, we gotta we're gonna really like work it out. So, you know, they trade blows. Uh, however you want to you know take that
0: well it's also like the there's 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 like well, the power struggle is there too because it's like um there's like a there's an aspect of that like the failed sexuality between the two characters like um and then resulting in like an actual fisticuffs like there's a there's a dynamic there where after that because you just see this too where like um, and I, I want to dive into another scene here in a second, but like you see, like uh, the power struggle, it does shift. So like obviously you have the Prometheus uh relationship, and in one in, one in which is prophecy telling, and the other is which um, like knowing all, right? And there is there's they switch though. There's moments in the film where they switch where that power um, that power maybe not switch. Switch is the wrong word. It's almost who is in a, in an advantageous state. Well, no, the, the power the dynamic absolutely.
1: The power dynamic absolutely switches, and um, you notice, like, once it switches, the one thing that uh, that Thomas Wilson has been sick of his whole life is just being referred to as a dog, um, which is Thomas kind How- of— Is
0: it Wilson or Howard? I thought it was Thomas Howard.
1: Oh, yeah, sorry, Tom- Thomas Howard. Ephra- Ephra- okay, sorry, yeah, Ephra- no, Ephra- no, yeah, Ephra- yeah I got it. Thomas Howard. Yep, Yeah, Thomas Howard. Um, yep.
0: Just do Winslow. Winslow's easier.
1: Yeah, so I'm just going to do old and young. Uh, yeah, so it's it's yeah easier. and that's that's, that's, that's how it's dark. written and that's how it's written in the uh, script okay cool perfect so uh was it prometheus uh god god dang it was this in um
0: the shifting of the power dynamic
1: yes so where that happens so the whole the his whole life he's been called a dog and he doesn't see himself as a dog but they're almost right because a, a dog is man's best friend, and you could argue out of all the titans that Prometheus is man's best friend. Um, but the thing is, the way he like acts, like he's he's not physically a dog he really isn't he doesn't like to do the work that he's being told to do he would like to like you no, know he's be the best person he can yeah he's just and dogs are like they're lap dogs they do whatever you say like he's not so he's not like technically a dog like as prometheus though he is the dog no you get
0: that's part of the building of the power dynamic the or that not the not the power dynamic itself but the struggle between the two powers like yeah. you you and see that struggle starting to to boil because I, you start the resentment of his of his like um inferiority to uh to thomas um uh to uh, Tom, to wakes character to womefos character like mm-hmm. you start to see that he's he's resenting and he's resentful and bitter of the of the you know the lashing out that he's getting um, and the obviously being on the wrong end of that power and being forced to do you know, basically, basically slave labor, and obviously that shifts after they throw the fisticuffs at the end of the film, and, and there is the scene at the end where he 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 literally walks him out of the building as a dog tolls tells him to to bark like a dog, and then well, it's the worst.
1: It's the worst thing he can think of. It's the, exactly be treated, because it's the worst it's, thing that
0: it's the worst thing that happened to him
1: is to be treated like a dog.
0: So he literally inverses it and inflicts it upon his uh, the Proteus character um, in Thomas Wake um, and then buries him alive, which there's got to be symbolism there. I don't I, I didn't really dive into that. Um, well, so what I what I uh, liked about that alive aspect,
1: if it if if we go by the um, if we go by the uh, Greek mythology of it, uh, Proteus is a god of the sea. He was getting weaker and weaker as they threw the dirt on him. Like he was like, he, 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 it was just almost got, like it killed him. Yeah. He got dragged in. He didn't, you know, maybe he got oh, more a play bit. of
0: more he, elemental play, right? Earth. He, earth yeah, is he, what earth is what like subjugates him to death.
1: He, oh yeah. And it is death. It is like final as you get buried, but,
0: but he doesn't like, die. He doesn't actually no. die. It just weakens but him. As,
1: to, yeah. But to like, escape. as he, as he's getting uh, buried, he gets like weaker and weaker and weaker. It's as if like his connection, as his connection to the sea, was getting severed. Like his power right. was oh, getting perfect. severed. Yeah,
0: right. Yep.
1: And then he remembered, like you know, the light. So that was like his last kind of like uh, his swan song. The only thing he can do. Uh, but uh, there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of meaning in just the names themselves so thomas is wake? Uh,
0: wake first of all wake is obviously a play yeah. on like on oceanic uh, oceanic waves and tide and all that oh yeah
1: and uh mm-hmm. there's there's also more to it uh for just the last name wake
0: what about ephraim what's ephraim, what's e- ephraim what is that
1: a mean. it's a uh, biblical but wake also means a uh, man of the watch
0: Oh, perfect.
1: He's, yeah, he's, he's the keeper. Yep. And, uh, and Ephraim, he, it was a biblical. Uh, he, uh, what did he, what did he do? I believe he, uh, he was the son of Jacob, if I'm not mistaken. And he led tribes to freedom. His name was, or it was, uh, quite the name's equatable to fruitful, uh, Winslow, is translated to friend's hill or friend's burial mound. So Ephraim Winslow is alive. well, no, Ephraim Winslow is the guy that got, uh, yeah, Ephraim, Ephraim, Winslow, uh, would translate to a fruitful burial mound. So with, with his old boss getting swallowed up by the logs, uh, young got a look, Ephraim was a fruitful burial mound.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So you, you can play into that.
1: For sure. Yeah. It's called, it, it translates like literally to like Friends Hill. But like, yeah. So it was like the, like the, uh, or like bur- Burrow would be a good one. So like uh, Fruitful fruitful Friends Burrow. He, uh, he was a friend. He says, oh, he's just a boss and he's always riding me. But it's probably the same thing. He was like just trying to be his friend and like helping him out. But he just let him die. But he was, he got a, He benefited from his death, so it was a fruitful death. Um, Wake on top of being watch. uh, Dude, Thomas. Thomas. This one almost slipped by me. Uh, Greek god of the sea. T-H-A-U-M-A-S
0: another another yeah i mean these are all over there like i mean the like king triton is involved and poseidon is is uh, he, i believe uh neptune is referred to like that's the curse right the curse was, was Yeah, was, he,
1: no uh, the curse he, of poseidon
0: the, well it was, it was the curse of poseidon but the power of neptune was cursed upon him yeah oh she, like um and then there's like Amphor Amph- oh Amph- yeah no he goes yeah Amph- let, Amph- let
1: yeah i know you're right he is like the let neptune strike you dead all right yeah um yep. But, uh, yeah, so if we go by the name uh, Thomas in, like, Greek mythology, his wife was Electra, who was one of the Oceanids and uh, had a daughter, or had a couple daughters and sons uh that, that were, like, harpies and, uh, like, other things. One was uh, the messenger to the gods, Iris, and then another one was, like, a messenger too. But if you go by that, I would assume that when, uh... Uh when old mentions like he's like oh i was married to someone and we had some kids uh but i never stayed
0: 13 and christmases th- 13 christmases yeah. like without you know that'll that'll
1: do it she couldn't forgive me right. i think his wife was a was electra
0: oh okay yeah well that would make that would tie in that would tie in proteus right yeah and yeah. then that would make uh
1: uh sito the sea
0: yeah okay
1: cedo was um a primordial sea goddess so pretty much just like the sea um and they bore like monstrous children but either way it was the offspring of gaia offspring of the uh earth uh this one is a little bit more of a stretch i wanted to oh yeah um I am. I'm. I am just going to rip these off real quick. So all in all, I Let believe it. there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I think there's twelve characters shown in the whole movie. There might be more. There might be less. It might be crazy. Um, so we'll start with the stuff that we already mentioned. Uh, old is going to be Protus or maybe Zeus. Uh, young would be Prometheus. Uh, the uh, his old wife would be Electra. This uh, C would be a Ceto. You could also argue it's like Poseidon or Gaia. Uh, here is where it gets uh, here's the most speculation that I have, but I think it kind of checks out the boat people because there are two of them. One of them would have been Charon, and the reason I think is Charon is because Charon's job is just to uh. Traverse like the river sticks and like stuff like that, and just make sure that like people are good to go. But his main job is just to not judge, so it makes sense that just, just drop him just, and go. Yeah, he's like, I don't care what business you have or what you're doing, get off the boat, you know what I mean? Right. And then the other one was really hard, I had to uh kind of struggle with it. But I believe the uh second uh boat person is uh, I believe it's uh, pronounced like Plutus. And uh, he is the, yeah, or sorry, yeah, uh, yeah, Plutus. Uh, he is the god of e- abundance and wealth, and uh, Zeus made him blind. So when he was giving out the wealth or the provisions, his uh, symbol is a cornucopia, uh, he was supposed to give them out to people, whether they were good or bad, like just no matter what. He was supposed to also not judge people and just give them. What they needed or like, you know, give them wealth or give them, you know, a bounty, which Charn brings them there. The dude gives them the bounty and then they dip. That's the biggest stretch that I have. Uh, the seagulls, if we're going Greek mythology, would just be the souls of the damned like everything else. And they kind of yeah, say, I that mean, that's basically, it.
0: but that's actually that's like spoon fed in the film. Yeah. Like, like he actually tells that he tells the folklore to you because uh, the killing of a sea of a seabird is obviously um referred to as like a, a a bad luck trope um which actually calls it actually does kind of tie in it calls the storms upon them um which oh, yeah. prevents their rescue or prevent not their rescue because they're not in dire straits yet they're they're awaiting the tender to pick them up and it just doesn't happen because the storms are so bad i thought this was an interesting tie um and not to deviate too far from the greek mythology but like um i was reading somebody had a somebody linked it to the Shining again. In that, uh, so in the Shining, obviously Jack Torrance indicates all work and no play makes a jack makes Jack a dull boy. Whereas <laughs> in this film, in this film, it's quoted as saying uh, Wake is quoted as saying boredom makes men to villains. Um, yep. which is basically the exact same uh thing and actually I think it's an interesting conversation I think that's actually there's a lot of truth in that there that that doesn't need to be shape-shifted into truth I think that's actually a very true statement there's a lot to pull that apart um but, it's a it's nihilism right it's like part, yeah exactly it's a comment on nihilism and it's a it's it's um it it defines what happens to a man when he when he's when his purpose is removed um and uh, not, it's not a pro-capitalism comment, in my opinion, I don't think, necessarily, but it's um, its certainly an anti-nihilistic uh, viewpoint or perspective about oh, yeah. the dangers of nihilism, which are, in, are infinite, basically. Um, but uh, there's obviously, a scene, there's the scene that actually, um, they basically re-envisioned the Hypnosis 1904 painting, Um is actually a, is visually referenced in the film. They literally do it word for word. He's like completely like uh, uh, Wake's character is completely nude, like shining the light th- from his eyes into the light of uh, he's like passing the he's passing the light through him into uh, um, uh, Ephraim's character <clears throat> in, under the indoor in a rainstorm. No, no less. Um, whereas like I think the hypnosis painting actually takes place under water because they're. Um, oh, appropriate yeah, so like the rain it was the next best thing for that um let me just pull up our our script. um there's yeah. obviously okay. we've covered quite a bit but i did want to i did want to point out um some of the there's a lot of hitchcock in here too um i was gonna
1: say i got i still got a bunch of those uh i still got like six more characters to go down Jesus, wait! How, how?
0: All right, well, let's uh, let's let's continue down that path. Why don't you Why don't you fill us in? Keep,
1: keep yeah, no, we're I said six, but we're almost done. Um, okay. Ephraim, Ephraim would be uh, uh, Prometheus's brother, Epimetheus. Uh, he was interpreted as the god as foresight, literally forethinker. If you ask me, foreman, the foreman.
0: Okay, right. He actually refers to him as the foreman because he yep. was the foreman on the lumber on the lumberyard Mm -hmm. mm-hmm so that checks out Uh,
1: while uh prometheus is characterized as ingenious and clever epimetheus is described as foolish um i think he was foolish in thinking that like he would save him and then kind of being like a with the name uh friends friends hill fruitful friends hill it kind of if you ask me it ties it in together that uh he did like kind of consider him a friend but he's like you know what like you're just a little too like mean to me and I'm just yeah. gonna let you die. So he just let his like you know, he let him die. Um,
0: I will say as a side note, the thing about and this isn't to like I'm not trying to um uh, derail you because I actually I think you're you're tying a lot of these in, and I bet you eagers would probably um validate. I, I'd be curious to hear what he has to say about a lot of this stuff, and he probably has validated some of them, but it's interesting that like um well, philosophical um figures, specifically in, in this case Greek philosophy, um and philosophical figures the thing about philosophy is interesting because it, it does, you can make a film like this and the philosophies can reach pretty much anywhere uh, like tentacles, not, not to be uh, too, you know, trite, but um, <laughs> the, the, because that's the beautiful part about philosophies is that they can be applied um, in so many different contexts. And that's what makes a film like this. When he entrenches the film in philosophy in one way or another, it can, it reaches all of the others. Um, it acts as almost like a um a central like almost like a central uh command for all different well um,
1: it's it's because a lot of these stories are based off of that they're all based off of how you feel and like you know right exactly
0: yeah I mean that's well that's just philosophy 101 it's like a very um a lot philo- the, the philosophy is entrenched in the human experience and the mind play, right?
1: plays have always just been Or plays or movies or books or anything have just been made to make us feel some kind of way to make us like think differently or like feel some kind of different viewpoint to uh, portray yeah. a different philosophy.
0: Right. And in, in context in which we can relate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to derail really, but continue.
1: Oh yeah, no, we're almost done. Um, there's only a couple more. Um, so a uh, quick recap then. Uh, Proteus old Prometheus young yep. uh, C would be Cedo, I believe. Uh, light, Pandora, Um, the boat people would be Charn and a pl- Plotus. Uh, seagulls would be the souls of the dam. The wife would be Electra. I believe us, the viewers, would be man because a lot of the secrets are yes. kept from observer. us.
2: observer, right. Yeah,
1: and a lot of the stuff, information that is divulged is divulged through Young or Prometheus. Like he, whatever he learns, we learn. that's true
0: yeah because like it does seem to be that like well he's the keeper of he's the if he's the keeper of the lighthouse he's the keeper of all knowledge so like you only get to and if prometheus is the visitor of 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 that in which is kept he we have to learn through him and what he's what's unveiled to him
1: and um in true uh true greek mythology uh there you remember the scene where ephraim's like forget it i'm gonna try to steal the key during his midday nap and then oh yeah and, th- and then when it. he gets upon
0: him he actually pulls the dagger out and begins to put it to his throat um, yeah but then pulls away and
1: he so, actually does
0: admit later that he's, he actually did see him with the knife
1: oh yeah he's like uh you're he's like not safe with you um right. but uh protus in in mythology he was uh known of all things past present and future but the, just like divulging information and if you wanted uh, the information you had to surprise him during his noonday slumber
0: oh yes because he so he's he, that's his shift right? yeah that
1: so you had to sense. surprise and bind him during his noonday slumber he supro- he surprised him but he didn't have him bind. Bound, or else he would not right, have been yeah, able be to, he would have but, divulged his secrets.
0: But he's always in a noonday slumber because that's how the, um, that's how the shifts, the shift work was, was why well, he's, you know,
1: like, he's, that's what confirmed to me that he's literally, uh, Proteus.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're definitely right. I wonder if Eager's actually, God, I would love to hear, I would love to hear it from the horse's mouth, but
1: I believe they have like said that. I'll try to yeah, confirm I, it.
0: I, there's a lot of interviews. He did a lot of like, um, lower he didn't do any super mainstream media there's a lot of interviews but i haven't i haven't gotten through all of them i'm definitely going to continue to to be um to watch them you know even after our recording tonight but i okay. want to hear i want to hear if these if i want to he doesn't like to and he's a little bit hush hush about some of those inspirations in, in the writing process um because he wants the film he wants the viewer to he wants viewers like us to do this well, Yeah, to, it's, like, it's supposed speculate. to be
1: open-ended um he yeah. actually yeah it's subjective they actually said uh well, it was uh Robert Eagers himself. Let me get the quote. He said, um, if we succeed in our efforts, the ambi- ambiguity should uh be keeping you engaged as an audience. And that's right. exactly what it's doing. Like, you know, this came out a while ago. We're still watching it. We're like, you know, um the Oh, uh, this the, movie's the, gonna
0: age beautifully. Like the, 30 the, years the mis- from now, it'll 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 actually probably be viewed with more um allure.
1: Yeah, no, we can only hope he only deserves it. Yeah, it's true. But it, um but yeah, um two more that would I would say are the most reaches. Like I couldn't find anything on this, but it just it made sense to me. And um it would be the last two characters that I would uh, categorize um, and it would be uh oh also you could consider uh Ephraim uh Apollo because uh Apollo was the uh uh he was revered, influential, blah blah blah. He was uh uh, he was the god of divine distance who sent or threatened from afar the god who made men aware of their own guilt or purified them of it. So, he was, uh, uh, Ephraim was constantly making uh, Thomas aware of his guilt where he would just pop up, even in the beginning, he was in the ocean with the logs. Um oh, true, And yeah. then he would constantly pop up just being like, hey, like, I am here, like, you know, so I, I'd like to think it's loosely, uh, i, I bounce between, uh, epimetheus and apollo but uh the tender the second tender the one-eyed uh the the seagull i believe that was
0: uh, a Oh, the second week you mean the second wiki yeah the second wiki yeah the tender was the the tender was was actually the the shippers who were supposed to be picking them up or supposed to pick up um uh uh uh
1: yeah i believe the uh, after
0: his uh weeks were up
1: yeah i believe the uh, uh the second wiki was uh polyphemus who was a cyclops um
0: oh perfect because the missing eye
1: yep and uh he, uh the object of uh polyphemus romantic desire was a sea nymph named uh, uh galata or galatea um and what was the main tie into why i thought it was because there's there's a good tie why it's him uh to do he was blinded during the uh by Odysseus and I believe he was also you know he was blinded by the lighthouse
0: oh right oh, right. right 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 yeah so like so, too much knowledge like the, the yes. overburden of knowledge right okay so
1: yeah I think like he, so he wasn't like physically blinded by the lighthouse but he was like blinded in his you know uh in his what he wanted to do by the uh, lighthouse and then we get to his uh his love um, you know his love interest which really ties it together for me Galita was a uh uh what was she where is it uh give me a second I'm scrolling down um King uh pygmalion is uh is made into a Wait, sorry. There's a king who uh, was a sculptor, and he fell in love with a marble statue he crafted with his own hands. And uh, through prayers, the goddess Aphrodite brought it to life. Oh, and it was, uh, okay. It yeah, was an. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It was Or er, so. There's marble, and then there's also like an ivory statue, like depiction of it.
0: Oh, it's perfect. So, like, like the, yeah, uh, like the fetish. Yeah, it's the, the
1: fetish. Yeah, exactly. It's the fetish. It's the uh, what is it? It's the scrimshaw. So the scrimshaw was. No, oh, that's what he know, calls
0: it. That's the actual terminology for it. Yeah, the scrimshaw yeah. mermaid. Yeah.
1: Yep. So that scrimshaw was brought to life, and then also the last guy was like in love with her too, and um. So yeah, that is like he like saw her, and that's yeah, that would be a Galita.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. No. You've 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 done a pretty nice job of like actually tying the. This seems to be like the inspiration for a lot of the like, character development um in the writing um dude you know, as i, think, I came across the stuff, i don't think you're wrong i don't think you're I, like i think i as- would be curious to hear him verify this but it's it's not much it's not too much of a stress some of it i would say to say that you're a that each character you've attributed is like on the money but i think you're i think you're at least close you're in the wheelhouse where like probably most of what you're saying most of your connections are, are being drawn are like not not landish at all dude as i was doing the
1: research i was like it's either a coincidence or he is absolutely insane. I was like, no, this is ridiculous I was I like think this is insane. ridiculous. And because it's just some of the stuff is just too much to like bad an eye at.
0: Yeah. No, he's 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 um I mean he's like the, he's he's known for being like completely obsessive about research. So I, I I wouldn't doubt it. This this guy has a he has a chance to kind of pivot into like our generation's Kubrick if he's if he's oh. smart about his, his, you know, movie selections and, and film development process. Um um, yeah, no, on, on this I've, note, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, I, ju- I said the names like 16 times, but I just wanted to categorize them all real quick in just like one place um, right before we segwayed into the next one. Um, we're looking at Old, Proteus, Young, Prometheus, Ephraim, Epimetheus, or Apollo. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, second wiki would be uh, Polyphemus. The mermaid would be uh, Galadia. The sea, Ceto or Gaia or Poseidon. Um, Light, Pandora. The boat people would be Charon in a Plutus. The yep. uh, old wife, Electra. His daughters would be uh, Oceanids or Harpies, stuff like that. Uh, and then the seagulls are the souls of the damned. And then that leaves us as man
0: okay nice nailed it i i, I just think that there's there, it would just be too much of a coincidence if it wasn't intentional to because the character the attributable um characteristics that you could that you can draw to i mean it's it's you're probably pretty close if, if not on the money so um that's great let's let's do a quick uh we're going to do, do a quick break let you guys digest that for just a few minutes digest errol's uh research on greek mythology in relation to the lighthouse. I mean, um, the film is just soaking in it, and I mean that uh pun intended. Um, but for that, for that sake, let's just take a short break. Um, do a quick um, you know, bask in that for a few minutes. Um, and we will be right back to uh continue on the film. We've got a few I've got a few more things I wanna touch on and then um we'll wrap it up, take one more break and we'll We'll do a rating and review and a little bit of summarization of our like opinions more generally on the film. So hang tight, we'll be right back in just a few moments. Hey, welcome back to the Personal Views podcast. We're talking The Lighthouse, uh, Robert Eager's 2019 psychological thriller, if we could call it that. It's got a lot more to it than just that. Um, Errol did a great job dissecting some of the uh, some of the connections to Greek mythology and the characters of Greek mythology and how they relate to the to the characters um, in the film. Um, I mean, it's entrenched in that kind of stuff. It's entrenched in psychology. Um, Specifically, Freudian and Jungian psychology. Um, It has aspects of paganism, puritism, uh, Dagonism, homoeroticism. Um, There's inspiration from Kubrick, inspiration from Hitchcock, um, folklore. I mean, it's got everything you want in a film with just basically relying and almost entirely relying on two unbelievable acting performances from Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Without a doubt. Oh yeah.
1: Um yeah, speaking of like all those references like the paganism and everything, um the the little uh the little reference to it uh uh Thomas uh, or old he says at one point he's like uh, I dated a girl in Salem in the 19th century. Salem, I dated yeah. a girl in Salem during the witch trials. That's
0: cool. Well, that's why I thought I actually thought that was an homage that he was he was reaching back to his previous film The Witch. Um, cause which also takes place actually does not take place in the same time period. I think the witch takes place like a couple hundred years prior, but, um, I mean, it was, it's the Salem witch trials went on for a very long time. So it's not as though, I mean, the paganism is still in the film in, in certain points for sure. Right. Um, but
1: yeah, you have that, you have that paganism and then you have the, too. Uh,
0: oh
1: yeah. Oh, um, but you have all that combining in the end in such a uh, climactic, like it's like it's shocking so you have the freudian aspect where or the freudian like oedipusian aspect where yep. the younger overtakes the older to yeah. to us asc- to ascend and like you know take what is what he believes is his or like yeah what, there's like a patriarchy
0: patriarchal struggle between the two characters throughout the film
1: right and so as he's doing that to you know reach his uh Reach his end, end goal as Prometheus to you know take the fire, get the knowledge, share mm. it with us. Um, he he suffers a uh, he suffers a uh, what is it? Uh, he flies too close to the sun. He suffers yeah. a uh, literally. Yeah. Why can't I? Uh, why can't I think of it? It's uh, he yeah, the wing, the wax wings. We've been talking too much about Greek stuff. It's all lost. <laughs> um, it's all lost in the end. Yeah,
0: I mean. No, no, um, no,
1: yeah, um... Dang it.
0: Wax I mean, wings? And I'm, I'm, I'm missing you too. No, it's, uh... Icarus? Yeah, exactly. Are you referring to this, Icarus?
1: Yeah, his father Daedalus crafted him, the wax wings, and then he flew too close to the sun, and then his wings melted, and he ascended back to Earth.
0: Oh, right, okay, yeah, so, yeah, da- so, da- 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 Daedalus... Yeah. So when
1: he when he goes and he, you know, opens Pandora's box and then is subjected to whatever horrors or whatever pleasures that are up there, he is eventually repulsed or rejected by it. And right. then is he descends to
0: uh he descends down the lighthouse crashing down, right? Yeah,
1: crashing to earth. It has a beautiful uh Fibonacci sequence shoot as he just kind of falls <laughs> like falls down there, look like before <laughs> yeah. and after. And then he meets his uh uh, Promethean fate uh, splayed apart uh, across the across, across the, the rocks,
0: yeah, and, and uh, by, being, being picked, picked apart, apart by the by the, the damned, the souls of the damned. Well, there's also like the the archetype, like the the archetype of the theory of uh, the archetype. Um, regarding like the shadow where like, cause there is also like the identity theory about the film where like the two characters are actually in one and each represents like a shadow esque or dark side of one another. Like um, Thomas
1: is the primal urges and then, or yeah. sorry, old's the primal urges. No, 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 no Yeah. Yeah.
0: He would the young old. The, well, yes, they were, the, the, the faux character would be the primal. Yeah.
1: And then young the would be the ego or the uh, like the rationality. So mm-hmm. Yeah, you could say, like, uh, Wake being the id is, like, the impulse, and, like, Winslow being the ego, he's, like, more conscious.
0: Yeah, 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 more entrenched in knowledge, right, okay. I could see yeah, that, too. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's, then, there's there's just a ton packed in here. Well, then, all, yeah, from
1: you a... if you, if you go by uh, Nietzsche as well, uh, you could say that Wake is a man of morality, solely right and wrong. Just this is good, this is bad, do this. If you don't do that, then you are wrong. Where, uh, winslow uh, functions more autonomously where he's like he gives he hopes for agency he hopes for independence he hopes for like rationality so that's why he feels so portrayed when he's like he's been jerking in the tool shed man he's been yeah, getting drunk. He, he's like dude he says it
0: too he's well he wrote it in like he wrote it in like the um the like job performance thing or um like the, yeah. the log. Oh, he basically and, says and he's, been, he's been abusing himself in the in the work shed right and you'll and notice he's pissed he, off about it because like he's it's almost like if and if he takes on that, that, that Nietzsche, that Nietzsche role of uh, like more black and white morality, um, then he's he would be disgusted by like or he would be turned off by um, Winslow's like hedonistic ways. Right.
1: But you'll notice he only finds the knowledge of that um, of the logbook when he partakes in the drink. The day after, well, the logbook
0: actually floats to him in the well. In yeah, the, so because the room's flooded at that point. So
1: yeah, so after the night of in drinking, water. yeah, so after the night of drinking, he is uh, he feels sick. He keels over. He throws up, and then the book book floats by. So the whole time he's been uh, he's been ch- chasing knowledge through fire, like you know, through like the through oh, the, the, the wretch
0: too. The wretch is so perfect too because it's like vile. He's like entrenched in what is vile to him because yeah, because it's.
1: It's, he's disgusted with it but with that yeah. it brings him to the it's like what takes to bring him to the knowledge yeah
0: i mean i think like uh, i mean in terms of the other characters they all seem to tie in pretty perfectly in terms of greek mythology but like most so the prometheus proteus uh relationship between the two is that's pretty obvious i think that can that can basically yeah. all be confirmed i mean it's pretty, oh yeah it's pretty clearly a, a fact
1: I oh, no actually play. no it is because um I believe it is a re. They, they have like been quoted to say it's a reimagining of uh, while Proteus and Pro- Prometheus have not met in Greek mythology um it would be very easy to see those two interacting
0: yeah well, there's also Freudian and uh, Freud and uh, young um you know uh, and basically each like fever I think he was quoted as saying like they, he wanted he would have liked to imagine them feverishly eating their popcorn watching the film like um because their their aspects of both theories in the film and like he wanted to piss off both of them
1: i think young's more correct though i feel like young's actually kind of got it so if you look at it me too me too
0: carl young definitely seemed to have um a a more yo um, let's let's be real freud just had a hot mom yeah he must have had a hot mom, and he
1: just wanted to be like you know everyone wants to have sex with their mom i can prove it yeah and then everyone's like nah dude like i don't really he's like no i'm telling you you do it's not just it's not just
0: that though because he obviously had his theories about like his psychological theories about like the dreaming um being meaning like um like the young it's all about the unconscious and i know that like he tied that directly to like oedipus oedipus well uh, that was uh
1: yeah everything's about sex everything leads to sex or power which
0: yeah because i mean that's what fucking hitler thought too though carl like
1: Carl Carl Jung was a lot better if you ask me when it comes to like the uh, subconscious of the like the dream world and stuff right. like that. Um what else yeah what was i going to say about that though. Yeah, oh yeah, about his uh, archetypes. Um i had him down here somewhere. Yeah, so um they're almost on the opposite ends of the scale of the archetypes. Uh the uh uh old would want to be like a sage or like a ruler which is uh, he pretty much just wants to you know it's a power dynamic or it's like a wisdom dynamic and ephraim is a outlaw and a jester or a fool so yeah. the outlaw well they,
0: that's is, pretty that's pretty that's splayed out pretty that's that's pretty obvious throughout the film like yeah because because i would spend i would say that most of the film i would say the larger percentage of the film is occupied the power position is occupied by um by uh Wake. mm-hmm for obvious
1: and, reasons. And then, uh, Ephraim Winslow is not even Ephraim Winslow. He's playing a character. So he's playing a jester. And then also he's an outlaw because he would, he would like change from, uh, from his previous thing. And he's willing to, you know, get it by any means. And he's technically on the lamb too. So it's kind of, it's a really, yeah, good that's up. true.
0: You're right. You're right. Cause he's a band. He's actually, well, he's actually adopted a new character. So yeah, was, yeah. the jester aspect would be in play there too. Um, yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on the—is uh, it a horror film aspect? Um, and we we were discussing like the—I uh, would say the tropes don't really—the tropes make it more of like a mythos slash psychoanalysis or, or psychological film um, in terms of like the writing and the construction of the plot. But like there there are aspects of a clear horror film.
1: Yeah, um, no, there's a it's there's like like guy splayed out at the end. Come on, yeah, he's he's getting picked apart by it. That's right, yeah. There's there's the severed head, like it's horrifying. There's the axe scene, the jump scare. They, they they a lot of the music was made on a thing called the apprehension engine. If that's yeah, we're not talking for a, a
0: horror film here. If that's sure. not for a horror film, it's not for a comedy,
1: it's not for a <laughs> right. romance.
0: Yeah, Um, well, let's I'll read a couple of little tidbits about like the making of the film. Um, The cast and crew filmed under extreme weather conditions, freezing temperatures, cold Atlantic water, intense winds, snow wind, um, arms of snow winds, intense winds, snow rain and no protective flora on the 4Q uh, terrain kept them exposed to the elements throughout the shoot. Three nor'easters blew across Cape Forku in Nova Scotia during various stages of production, much of the film was shot in real weather elements. So rain and wind machines weren't needed most of the time. Uh, with director Robert Eager stating that the most crazy and dramatic stuff was shot for real. The crew had to film the scene where Pattinson's character goes into the sea at night when the weather settled because they were afraid they might lose him to a riptide. Jesus. So like, this is the type of shit you don't care about with uh, filmmaking where these guys are, um, I mean, do you think they method acted this? I kind of, and I kind of feel like they did. I believe it's actually noted that they they barely spoke to each other. Um, yeah, right here it says William Defoe and Robert Pattinson stated that they barely spoke a word to each other on set and were too exhausted to hang out, too exhausted to hang out together after a day of shooting because filming was so physically demanding due to the miserable weather conditions. While Pattinson stayed at a normal hotel with the rest of the film crew during the shoot, Defoe lived in a little fisherman's cottage in solitude. On set, on the other hand, Pattinson. Would tend to eat and stay by himself during filming breaks, while Defoe stayed with the crew. Both stated they liked each other very much as soon as they had their first real conversation a few months later. Holy shit, man! Dang, that's how you get those. That's how you get the performances that you get from these two actors. They just like they they went all in on the film, um, which is just incredible. Um, I mean, I I gotta say, like I I do think. well, I think it's kind of tough, and I do understand why this film didn't land with um, like big audiences. And it it is it's it's a bit controversial. I was reading like about I was reading a lot of the um, commentary about the film in the internet sphere, and people some people just genuinely hated it. Uh, I can't understand why. I guess I I guess I get why it wouldn't land with folks because it is like most of what we've been talking about today is, is some of the deeper philosophical aspects of the film that are kind of um you know uh, boiling beneath the surface so to speak but um i don't know it's still a beautiful film to, to, to view and the it's harrowing it's not boring i mean i don't find it boring particularly um the the language i guess would be the thing that that i point to to lose a viewer um only because it is authentic for the time and you could lose you could lose folks in translation um
1: I had a friend who I watched it with on one of my later uh, views, and they, I, I consider them very like cultured when it comes to like movies, and they didn't like it just because, uh, they like like theater a little more, and they they, in their opinion, it was a little um, just people being mean for the sake of being mean, and while there is like the uh, the artistic aspect that kind of. Uh, dude there's a group of people who go to the movies to solely have a good time uh not to like uh, right. be they want to be entertained but not like no uh, not
0: to be snobbish or anything there yeah, no, i know i'm with you it, it's not it's not a comment on that it's more i, I would agree with you because there there are like it's something to do to go to the to go to the movies especially if you live we live in central new york where like it's the weather's horrific and like it's like something to do. winter and um gets you indoors um and uh it's it can be enjoyable and there's a lot of films that will scratch that edge it's
1: it's hard to uh suggest to people other than like the star-studded film cast because like like all right look i'm gonna pr- preface you with this that it's gonna be william Willem him and, and then uh, robin pattinson's gonna jerk it off so mm-hmm. that's like you just gotta Either gonna really like it, or you're gonna be weirded out. He's gonna jerk off to
0: a fetish uh, mermaid, and that's Um, I really like that. How
1: it's like by definition, like a literal fetish. Like it's a looking. Yeah, I thought that that was you pointed
0: to that in our previous episode, and I thought that was like that was um, that was perfect. Yeah, I mean it was a perfect touch by Mm -hmm. ears. Um, Oh, perfect touch. Oh jeez. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah, you got me. Perfect touch by. Hey, listen. I had to round it out. We needed at least one more in there. Yeah, perfect sexual touch sexual reference perfect touch by patterson too, I hear. yeah no shit <laughs> he seemed to, except he seemed for to be... when he was
1: clearing out the chamber pots bit of shit there
0: oh i'm sorry we're we've got series interrupting the podcast so that's always good <laughs> um anyways uh i wanted to hit a couple more little tidbits about the uh the stories you know behind the filmmaking um there was one more that i thought was pretty interesting um yeah, this is the one. So, uh, before filming began, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson rehearsed with Robert Eagers for a week in a hotel in Halifax, Nova Scotia. While Defoe loved to rehearse, um, given his extensive theater background, Pattinson didn't, didn't want to show and let out too much beforehand, preferring to jump directly into the scene blindly. He found the rehearsal process frustrating and uncomfortable, being used to uh, react impulsively in front of the camera and getting self-conscious by thinking too much about the scene beforehand. His method be, uh, being that if he accomplished um, accomplishes certain things in rehearsal, it would later ruin the spontaneity and feel fake in front of the camera. Director Robert Eagers welcomed that the two worked so differently and stated, they have this incredible electrochemistry on screen, but it was chemistry through tension that couldn't uh, have been better for the movie. Rob hated to rehearse because he wanted to surprise me and Willem, but most mostly surprised himself with what he would do in the scene. Rob tends to be the best in the first take and In his first take, and he feared he would ruin that, so he held back in the rehearsal period. That that decision to uh, have, like, in my opinion, when I read that, I thought to myself one thing: a lesser director would have would have ruined that. Like a lesser director would absolutely what he would have demanded. Anybody, because directors, Caddy goes too, and and you know he's a young director, and these guys have been in the industry probably a lot longer than him but he had the he had the wherewithal to say yeah let's go with that it actually works for the film and i think it really fucking does i think it really the spontaneity of like like him like panting by the way there there's a scene where he's like panting like a dog too um in like complete madness um which is is also just harkens back to the the dog trope and
1: and it does seem like so they're dynamic too. Like uh Will- Willem Defoe's character, everything seems a lot more rehearsed. A lot more like he's a lot more confident in what he's saying. Like this is the
0: truth. It just worked that way. This, yeah. And it just so happens how it yeah. is. Right. And yeah. and if he's if he is Proteus, then that's exactly how he should come off, is, is um he's in the power dynamic he's in the right side of the power dynamic. He's winning the and- power struggle.
1: And Prometheus is going to be unsure. He's going to be unsure if he's doing the right thing. Sure. If, if he should really take the flame. But then once, he's surrounded
0: by water. Yep. Surrounded by water. So he's withheld or he's, or he's and withdrawn.
1: It's, and it's also, um, it's kind of like a, uh, like a social commentary as well on um, like, you know, it's, uh, and those have been getting popular too. It's like Parasite or there's a couple other movies that I can't really think of right now, but like just a rich versus poor um oh, the right. on- About, yeah for sure yeah the only thing that um that young wants to do he's like i just want to get my own plot of land where no one can tell me nothing to or tell me what to do and like that's that that's all he wants he just right. wants literally what old has just a little place where no one can tell him what to do where he's yeah. the boss where he's a, story, a that-
0: boring story right a very boring right. story
1: and um it gets one level deeper if you uh put in the uh what uh what wake says with the goals being the spirits of dead sailors so what that would be is uh they're borderline like in like a i don't want to say like purgatory but they're like on earth literally no that's
0: referred to the purgatory thing is real like that's actually a consideration because well there's like the the aspect of like the survivalist trope of, of being like, trapped and that, on me and that would um, make
1: sense that would make sense Charn bringing them there
0: well, because you have the you have well you have the light, which would represent uh, the, which would re- represent what the desires are of Prometheus' character, and mm-hmm. then you have that surrounded by ocean, which would be what Proteus is most um would, would would be his preference. So you are trapped between the two, and you have both in the film in one location. Um, t- and and each each character is being tugged and pulled at their preferences to and fro. So it is a purgatory aspect. I mean you can you could definitely you could force that in there a little bit if you if you had to, but
1: it, so so if they're in purgatory when they get finally judged, um they become the seagulls. So that is the it's the souls of dead sailors.
0: Uh right. Oh, sure, probably. yeah. So what and the they all is. flock at the end. They're, like you don't actually see like a flock of seagull until the very end when he's right. Well, there's
1: a couple like in the air and stuff, and they're they're always not in a flock you. though.
0: Not like at the end. There's like there's like literally thirty or forty flocking like. Yeah, no, there's
1: there's an Alfred Alfred Hitchcock like scene where there's a bunch of seagulls in the air at one point. Yeah, um, well, that's
0: the birds, right?
1: Yeah. But uh, So what that would be is they are ascending, there over the work, they are over the cycle that usually continues in the lighthouse, whether it's uh, with the old wiki uh, succumbing to it, uh, wanting to be in uh, control of the power, or the yep. new guy who ends up breaking the cycle and usurping it and then falling victim to, you know, a fate worse than the cycle. Um, it's a... Uh, oh, dang, where was I getting at? Yeah. Um, so if you're a seagull once you finally die you you are above the 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 conundrum above uh, all the uh above above the hubbub uh so it's the it's like the american dream or like pretty much so you don't need to worry about like work you don't need to worry about like uh, power dynamics but you get to laugh at the people who work at it or who need to do that you get to just look Literally look down upon them and be like, haha you have to do that. And that is, that's the best thing that's offered to these sailors is just to laugh at the trivialities that they had to <laughs> yeah. experience in their life. Yeah. What did it's you think like,
0: about, well, he does, he does do the cooking. And I thought that was an interesting, um, that was an interesting conversation at the end where like they represented, they each represented, like he almost uh, wakes character is almost representing like a, uh, a wife. Um, and they have like that, like he. Oh, you don't like my cooking? Conversation. Oh, like you don't a,
1: like my cooking? Like you, you like? You're my cooking. fond
0: of me, mo- of me lobster. Yeah, I seen it. You fond of me and lobster? Say you, it, say it. I know don't have that to time, say nothing. That whole what, conversation is that.
1: You know, at that time, uh, feeding prisoners lobsters was considered cruel and unusual punishment because, like, sea bugs.
0: Ooh, yeah. So yeah. that's No good. No good. But the well. thing is.
1: The thing is, he's so uh, wake, so seasoned as a sailor. He's like, you put a little butter on that. He's like, y'all crazy. Oh, yeah. He's like, he you they're in
0: a great spot. I mean, they're off the coast of New England. That's where it takes right. place. So, I mean, if you are going and that's be what he
1: says too. He goes, uh, he goes, You cooked the lobster up right. He goes better than any fin meat, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. He does say that. Yeah, and then he gets, but that's the thing that actually is so funny because, and I wonder why this is. It's like, um, it's kind of unanswered, but that's what actually calls upon the uh, the like cursing the the hark the hark triton where he actually um where he then well so you know the, the you, you want to you
1: want to know why cuz it's the one thing he didn't have control over he could tell him go this food sucks go work go do yeah. this it is your job to go do but that but he couldn't
0: force him to like the meal
1: you can't exactly you can't force him to do that and he's yeah. like i refuse i refuse to he's like i'm not going to hear nothing i'm not going to relent it could that. be the best Thing I've ever had in the world, and he even said he's like, nah. He's like, I used to have donuts every day, ham hey, the yeah. size of your fist, fried donuts. Yep.
0: He, <laughs> he said, like, that's right. Yep. Yeah. He's I like.
1: like I, I like how he,
0: he goes on the he. Well, he goes on the 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 like the beautiful. um And uh, I'm not sure what you would call it. What the theatrical aspect of like that that part of the script where he's where he's uh cursing him. Uh, by the strike, by the by the wrath of Neptune, and at the long, at, throughout the long end of it, he ends it with uh, Ephraim just saying, "All right, have it your way. I like your cooking. I mean, he's have it your
1: way. I like your cooking. Yeah, yeah. Just, no, that like, is like legitimately hilarious. It's
0: some of the most beautiful writing in terms of the curse. Like, like." I mean, hark, Triton, hark! bellow bid our father, the sea king rise from the depths, full foul in his fury, black waves teeming with salt foam to smother this young mouth with pungent slime to choke ye, engorging your organs till ye turn blue and bloated the, but- the bilge and brine and can scream no more. I mean, just this beautiful writing and then it cuts <coughs> to like the weakest writing in the film with Ephraim. But that's 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 right. hearkening to the, what you were saying about his being his character being like a jester or a foolish character.
1: Um, mm-hmm. he just so, he continues playing the fool
0: right what does it's, he say it's, Wait, a, it's unbelievable he, go ahead i'm sorry
1: yeah no he's like a he's like bursting ye a uh, a bloody bulge no more but a film for like harpies and uh harpies and like everything to feed upon like, yeah, no, he's, he's like thorough in it. and that's the thing. So he says that to what I say, he said he does two curses. He says that to Ephraim Winslow. And the thing is, that was kind of Ephraim Winslow's fate. He was swallowed up. by Oh, the right. Sea, yeah. Yeah. Swallowed. Forgotten.
0: forgotten Have you spilled his beans yet though? No, no, he didn't. No. Yeah. So he just happened to meet well, all knowing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Should pale death with treble triple, uh, dread. The triple dread, Make the ocean, um, make the ocean caves our bed. God, who hears the surgeon's roll, does deign to save the suppliant soul. I mean, the, the writing in this film cannot be matched. I mean, it is—it's—it's it's so gorgeous, and it's so. Um, I—it's I, almost you would hear this periodic dialogue being written for like a period piece in um, ancient Rome or. Um, you know, you you know the films. You know the films I'm talking about: Gladiator and uh, When he crowned in
1: cockle shells, lifts up his fellah arm, his coral tined trident screeches banshee like in the tempest.
0: <laughs> it's so good, man! It's so good! It's so gorgeous. <laughs> I like when he well. There's also like the sexual innuendo is like is just like dribbled throughout the film, dude. So here's the
1: thing, yeah. He even Robert Eager says it. He goes, "Uh, he's like they're living in like a phallic shaped thing, dude. It's a, it's a, it's a phallic shaped object that at the tip shoots light all over the place.
0: Not only Uh, that, but they're semen, like yes. And here's the thing
1: too in in the scene where they're painting the lighthouse, the only thing they get on that is the uh, what's the Medical term for it, it would be the corpus spong- spongiosum, the like the bottom of your wiener. They paint like the line on the bottom of the dick. That's all they get. They go like from tip to like oh, down, yeah, and, and then then he falls. falls off. And then he falls. Yeah, off, they right, only yeah. paint the the bottom, like the yeah, the bottom base of the, 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 the what is it, the corpus yeah. spongiosum. That's the so they literally that. just. I don't mur- know the medical
0: term, but I know the I know the the point of the I know the location referring to. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> yeah. they don't
1: even if the if the tower tower wasn't phallic enough they're like all right let's just get this little fucking whoop on one side and done
0: yeah and to hearken hearken, i just wanted to drop this quote in there like to hearken to your like theories about prometheus uh he actually does say oh what protean forms swim up from men's minds and melt in hot promethean blunder scorching eyes with divine shames and horror and casting them down to davy jones like so he he it's directly in the writing. It's in the it's yeah. in the, the script. So and, and he, it's hard a, to deny it,
1: or to uh, it. Uh so if we categorize the lighthouse as a Pandora, then uh Pandora was gifted. It was the like a beautiful woman crafted uh by Earth, and uh she was given a bunch of stuff by the gods. Athena taught her needlework and weaving, don't really know how to tie that into there. Um Aphrodite uh, shed grace upon her head. Grace you know shed light upon her head
2: right yep
1: uh, cruel and cruel longing and cares that weary the that weary the limbs. like the lighthouse. Cruel longing and cares that weary the limbs. So like all oh, the toil yeah, that you had to do. Uh, Hermes gave her a shameless mind and deceitful nature, the deceitful nature of the lighthouse, and they also gave her the power of speech and lies and crafty words. So, the lies of the lighthouse, the deceitful nature of it. Um, And then Athena clothed her. uh, uh, Persuasion and uh, Charitus adorned her with necklaces uh, and finery. Uh, But a uh, Hore adorned her with a garland crown, the crown of the you know the peak of the lighthouse, and then Hermes gave her the name Pandora, which is all gift.
0: Yeah, I mean, his also like uh, the language is um, well, it, it it points exactly to what you were saying about him being like the fool too, because like there's one moment where it's actually so you have that long um, cursing at the at um, after the conversation about the lobster. Right the, and, and
1: and um, uh, she has a, a curse as well. Uh, they each gave a gift, and she also has a a plague to men who eat bread. Uh, historically, uh, what have you seen? Uh, the menu. I have not. That's a pretty uh another uh, social commentary about stuff. So they have a really good uh scene in rendition to uh, to this. Uh, bread is typically the food of the poor man uh You you break bread. You partake in the bread, you break you know, body bread, of right. Christ. Uh, right. It's all bread. It's if you're if you're rich, you can eat steak. You know, you can do whatever you want, and you can yeah, have pastries. The
0: poor, the poor are left for the bread. You are subjected
1: right. to just bread. So, yeah. um, that goes to show that uh that old was legitimately he was right. He was like, you cannot handle lighthouse sticky. I am made different. I'm better than you. Um. I am made to tend this. You cannot do it. It will look, like, you're going to go crazy. And then, uh, so it's a plague to man who eat, who it's a plague to all men who eat bread. Uh, uh, he didn't eat bread. He ate lobster. He was a, he was the upper echelon. He was eating, yeah. you know, the high end with lobster. Well, also is, subjug,
0: he's also subjugated to that role because he, he says, if I had a steak, I'd fuck it. Which, yeah.
1: He's like, yeah, <laughs>
0: Like he's, right, and he exactly literally... so he,
1: yeah he's forced to eat what he needs to he's forced to eat the bread and mm-hmm. to break bread with him <laughs> he wants it but he wants a steak he yeah. doesn't want lobster but right. you know if you are if you're the elite you're eating lobster you're eating all this stuff and that is what he's used to the fi- he's used to the plunder of the sea yeah. so um it's just he really is uh the upper class uh he gets to it's just him and the, it's just him and uh Eph, ephraim and or young so it's kind of hard to tell like They're both in a shitty situation, uh, almost literally at points, but he, it's the upper class, lower class, uh, like with a, with a magnifying glass on it.
0: Yeah. And then like, but, well, I was going to just point out that the inverse of that cursing at the beginning, after the conversation regarding the food, like, or the meal, the meal preparation. Um, Mm -hmm. so like he goes on this beautiful, like beautifully written, um, rant uh cursing him and basically some like basically predicting his fate by the way um or, yeah, but- or 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 uh or um forcing his fate or you know depending on how you view it but then i thought it was just such a perfect uh inverse when Ephraim eventually winds up um with his own rant and in which is like capped off by like a by thomas just basically saying like because. Ephraim basically just goes on saying, complaining about his his like farting and his like his piss smells and he smells like jism, like rotten dick or curdled foreskin, Mm -hmm. Um, and like and then at the like it's just it's just very crude and like poorly constructed or articulated and then wakes just you have a way with words, dummy, which is Mm -hmm. (laughs) is fucking perfect. It's a perfect inverse to what that earlier right um, they just both bodies.
1: like they're just both like not really listening like <laughs> yeah they're both not listening
0: at all they're just snapping they're just like uh, but his is but wakes is like so much more elegant and um purposeful because clearly he's like he's actually um he's cursing him into the, his demise um from the uh by the uh, souls of the damned to be picked apart um uh Forgotten to any man, to any time, forgotten to any god or devil, forgotten even to the sea for any stuff for, for part of Winslow. Even any scantling of your soul is Winslow no more, but is now itself the sea.
1: Yeah, this see, then, then at the end when he says is now not a part of yourself or is now like not Winslow anymore. Right. So it's like he no. at that that's point, the identity.
0: That's the identity. Yeah, uh, and he
1: uh, he removes. Him. That's what, right after that. He's like, I gotta tell you. He goes I he's like yeah. I killed Winslow. I really start
0: spilling his beans. Yeah, but cuz it's cuz he spirits. legitimately
1: was cursed. Like he was like yeah. he, Winslow's dead. What are you going to do yeah. about that? And then he's like uh it is uh sorry, he is dead, but Yeah. It's amazing.
0: It's amazing. Um we've gone on pretty long. This has been a but we knew we were going to go long on this film. Um as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the it's one of the better films in the past probably 10 years or so. Um it's it's just an absolute masterpiece. If anybody has not any any of our listeners, if you haven't had a chance to view it and you've heard what we had to say about it, um, I urge you to go back and look for the things that we discussed about the film um, within it because they, it will. I don't know if it will enhance the uh, viewing enjoyment. It, it might actually it did. make it. It make it, did it for it, me, but second not time. not but not on first yeah because it's second time right because everybody does the same thing with this film like it's it could, because it's so there's just, um, you know, there's folklore and mythicism and there's, uh, you know, there's albatrosses and, and Greek mythology and all, all of this is just so um, it's so thick um, in terms of symbolism and meaning that it's it, the first thing you want to do is start reading about the film after you've viewed it, because it is, it's it's thrilling as a film experience, but it is so, you know, thick with, with meaning. So a uh, lot to peel apart if you haven't seen it um any of our listeners please jump back and give this a give this movie to this movie the time of day i do i do think in about 20 years uh 15 or 20 years maybe not even that long people will circle back to this film and get and it'll be a it'll be a cult film that will um have a revisitation process um, um
1: fun uh fun fact about uh at least it's more like not fact but fun fan theory for me so uh at one point uh at one point old says i believe uh he says something about uh the last wiki thought that saint Elmo cast his fire into the light itself which is you know uh something that's that's seen it's like an electromagnetic uh thing that like happens uh at like spires or like points of of stuff so uh if that's true it's really cool like they made the lighthouse and then once the discharge came like made like shut that around it but if that's the case then the color of that light um while it might just like shine like a regular light like the inside of the actual light if it's say nevel's fire would be blue or violet that lighthouse would be fucking crazy yeah it'd be like yeah. dude i need to look at that It's like i can't
0: not look at it yeah right well that's like uh that's like actually something that was played um there's like uh the film nope uh by uh jordan peele which jordan peele is a lot of film he's got three films out as well which all three have a lot of this kind of thing where there's just meanings stretched throughout but like um he takes on like spectacleism like it's like a ufo film where like the whole point like the the power of the u of the art uh extraterrestrial is to like not look at it um and it's supposed to be a social commentary on like spe- on spectacleism in society mostly being like social media and all that and um that's like that's the lighthouse in in a in an essence in that in that theory where it's like it's titillating for well you have a you have the caretaker or the lighthouse keeper who's like genuinely, um, he's like getting off while in the while in the lighthouse, and like I don't know how to you can't titillate a man you can't if you can't attract the attention of a of a young man any faster than to show him where like sexual pleasure is, um, so like his attention being focused on the lighthouse is like it, it the um, like the the drawing of, of attraction or attention by, uh, wins by, um, Ephraim Winslow is like, it's just inevitable based on what happens in the film. Um, and it draws into it clearly. And he becomes more and more obsessed about it till the end, but just a masterpiece. I mean, I, I it's, it's, it's truly one of the better films, uh, you're, you're going to get your eyes on
1: really good movie. Um, it starts off in a haze and it ends in a haze, literally. It literally starts really, off in yes, a haze. Perfect. And like the first scene is like when it, it, it almost goes into the, like the Olympic, like right back into the Greek gods. It's like the first day on earth uh, when it was made a god separated heaven and sea. And then it's just gray screen. And then you see the sea and then you see the uh, sky and then you see the boat come in.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 It's perfect. It's a perfect ending. It's a perfect conclusion to what is. Uh, hard well we'll get into whether or not it's a perfect film um it's for me it's pretty it's as close to a perfect film as you can get but um we're going to take a short break let's do a short break uh we've been going pretty long um uh, we're going to close things out when we get back from this break on robert egert's uh robert Eggers' masterpiece the lighthouse from 2019 we uh we'll close this thing out with a rating a quick summarization of our thoughts on the film what we appreciated most about it um we'll actually talk a little bit about its reception in the uh critical sphere in terms of uh, critical reception um, talk a little bit about that give our rating and tell you what's next on the personal Views podcast and hang tight we'll be right back We uh, we talked to the Lighthouse for a couple hours here, and we um, we had a lot to say about it. There's a ton going on with this film. Um, it made it easy to do a podcast about because there's just an endless well of information um, and theories you can uh, you can get yourself um, involved with. And um, excuse me, my series is going to go off again in just a second, but that's all right. Um, it's a it's a it's an amazing film, um, Errol uh let's talk a little bit about the uh critical reception so this is where it gets a little you get a little frustrated I mean it has a good Rotten Tomatoes uh approval rating of 90 percent which is that's that's about right I mean I I feel like that's fair um it's a pretty high Rotten Tomatoes rating um the, the uh so let's see um get a quick review quickly um Owen Gleiberman of Variety called the film darkly exciting and made uh, made with extraordinary skill, commenting that the movie Building on the Witch proves that Robert Ears possesses something more than impeccable genre skill. He has the ability to lock you into the fever of what's happening on screen. Uh, Robbie Collin of the Daily Telegraph gave the film a perfect score, calling Defoe's excuse me performance astounding and comparing Pattinson's to that of Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood, saying... There's no comparison. That's no comparison to make the lightly, but everything about the lighthouse lands with a crash. It's cinema to make your head and soul ring. What do you think about that? That is a heavy, heavy comparison.
1: Well, try to think of anything closer. It's harder to do. It's harder to wrestle anything up. That's more like a, I I totally agree. I totally agree. It is not
0: as good. It's certainly not as good a performance. I I don't think that that's, I think that would be, that would be pushing it too far, but it's, but I think what you said is exactly true. But the, as the, as close only reason,
1: the only reason it's not is because, not the only reason, but one of the reasons it's not is because
0: um,
1: well, yeah, so he's going to take away, and Daniel Day-Lewis like is the, like...
0: He is the film.
1: I don't want to say protagonist, and I don't even want to say antagonist. <laughs> I just want to say antagonist. He's
0: just, he's the anti-hero sort of. He's, no, he's something. a jerk, dude. He's the... He's a piece he's of a shit. Monster, <laughs> he's a serial, he's a, <laughs> a serial guy. He's, he's not even- just dude I I'm,
1: I'm, we have to talk about that but I'm more scared to talk about that than I am about this
0: <sighs> I know well there's there's even more going on with that in my opinion although I I don't know I mean this film was pretty pretty packed but there will be blood says a lot more about America um the country and I the actually American think a dream just, yeah there's just so much about capitalism about um you know imperialism about greed you want to yeah, know one one aspect sure. I,
1: you want to know one aspect I liked or even like love about where or there will be blood. Let's hear it. The uh, the oil. It's like the more oil he gets, the more evil it is, and it's like a black substance, like an ichor. And like he just <laughs> yeah, yeah. he just needs more of the just oil. He flowing. just needs yeah. more of that black, just fuel. And like well, it also
0: comes from the bowels of hell.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's letting
0: the evil out of the ground, out of the and earth. he's and he's soaking in it.
1: To the point where well, he baptizes his, his
0: ch- he baptizes his child with it.
1: It hurts all of his his relationships, all of his it it. every. His it, it destroys his life. It destroys uh-huh. his his psyche, yeah. and it's it just the fact that it's just a black substance, and that it yeah. just doesn't. There's do so much. Good.
0: There's so much with that film. That film is on the horizon. Don't you folks worry if if uh, you're a fan. The,
1: the only um, reason we didn't talk about the lighthouse in one of our first couple episodes is because we we're scared of
0: it yeah no shit no doubt about that and the same goes for there will be blood like that's just such an undertaking this was an undertaking we wanted to make sure we had our ducks in a row and had um done our research and viewed the film enough times to like truly get an opinion and a theory or two uh articulated or you know at least be able to articulate our theories because listen like um we have we you know we we can do all the research we want but like the, the filmmaker the filmmaker themselves is going to be able to be tell is going to be able to tell you what the film's about, and if they choose not to, I, I think that's great. I always well, and that's to- also Cooper, that's Cooper kind of always what, did that,
1: and that's kind of what he did too. Um, with like some of the inspirations from uh from uh Alfred Hitchcock, uh, there was like a scene where like it was the one where he's like bad luck to kill a seabird, and um, he was just thinking like Alfred Hitchcock would be like you know like he shot that with too much clarity.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, It's true. And lo- he actually says the same thing about Lovecraft. Like Lovecraft, he indicated that he thought Lovecraft would like, um, he would have made like the, he would have made the light, um, he would have made the light within the lighthouse, like um, like a, a pass a passageway to God or heaven, um, or something. He would have like, in, he would have been that's a That's what he feared. Yeah, he would have theorized, he theorized that that's how uh, Lovecraft would have handled it, and he he obviously took it a little bit of a different direction, but um, I don't know, we're going to cap off the theorizing on the film, because it is, there's a lot to say about it, we could always do a part two. what What do you think the light is? i i'm torn because i do i do agree with your theory has a lot of merit and i think there's a lot to be said about like it representing knowledge but like it just for me it doesn't explain the the sec, the sensuality of it i think that like there's two things going on in play in my mind it's like the 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 uh, the disconnect of like the the identity pro, uh, you know aspect where like you have two characters who are both like who could represent just one character But they're also having like a domestic there i think there's like a domestication of the relationship that's like um that unfolds within madness where um well the the
1: lighthouse literally deteriorates as their uh as both of their psyches and relationship does right Uh, as their
0: as their minds do
1: uh uh young tries to repair the lighthouse and their relationship and every he tries to keep everything repaired but it just continues to uh, degrade until you get to the end where it's literally in shambles and the only thing they can do is uh, just drink it and ignore or drink yeah. about it and ignore there's it. also
0: i think there's also like a little bit of commentary about like alcoholism too like um it's it's a it's a smaller message but i think that like the definitely more that pro, they can definitely what? a pro smoking movie <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, in in terms of like in contrast to the alcoholism, because it's the more they seen, drink, the more things fall apart.
1: And it's always smoking's always been seen at least uh, back in the day as an intellectual thing. When you you kind of oh, sit God. around, you just puff on a puff on a pipe, puff on talk a pipe. about some stuff.
0: More sexual innuendo, right there. There you go. Hmm. It's just everywhere on this film. Uh, <laughs> um, well, a couple more little comments from the uh, critics of the world. Let's see. Um, Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian, in addition to praising the performances of Defoe and Pattinson, also praised the screenplay, stating that the script is barnacled. Love it, nice. With resemblances of Colbridge, Shakespeare, Melville, and there's also some staggeringly cheeky black comic riffs and gags, and the two of them um, resemble no one such so much as Wilfred Brambell. And Harry H. Corbett, Steptoe and Son in Hell. (laughs) I mean, that's great. That's a good comment right there. I actually like that. That's a good review. Um, So, a lot of good reviews, a couple bad ones. Dana Stevens of Slate concluded her reviews by stating The Lighthouse is at its strongest when it resembles the dark comedy of a Beckett play, complete with earthy scatological humor. But as the mythological.
1: Sorry, sorry. sorry. No, I'm sorry. That's. uh Let me go yeah yeah
0: yeah let me just finish it up and then you can you can jump right in um but as the mythological references pile up and the forbidden light atop the tower accrues ever more and ever vaguer symbolic meaning the film sometimes seems funny not because of not because of but in spite of the filmmaker's intentions and that and that by the end she became impatient with eager's reliance on atmosphere to take take the place of the story and found herself identifying with the stranded seafarers i desperately wanted to get out yeah, oh, don't f- I, f-
1: yeah, I can see that.
0: Um, so- I can see the frustrations if you're aware. Oh, it's almost like she might have been aware of the uh, mythological references a little. So bit she too- was. She, she, it took she, her out she, of the film.
1: So she's just waiting for him to be up splain apart on the sea or on the. No, rocks I don't even think
0: it's that. I think it's. I think it's more so that it's very. Um, for her, she may have been like uh, well versed in it and had seen them, um, and they are kind of scattered. Like, like you just attributed. Um, in your dialogue in the in the podcast, you just attributed like several characters, um, and if you're aware of even a handful of them, I could see how could that could get like entangled in your viewing experience. So maybe maybe that's what happened with her. Well, yeah, um,
1: no. If you if you know it's Prometheus, then you're like, I swear to God, if this guy ends up falling and then pecked apart by those seagulls, yeah, and then it when could, it, it could happens, you're gonna be like, dude. Yeah,
0: yeah. I could see that. Um, I could see that being like a little bit um, off. I
1: can. But I can see. Me. I can see her. Um, I can see her connection, though, to
0: Samuel Beckett. Oh, the um, Beckett thing, the Beckett play, for sure. Right? Yeah, that. Yeah, I the. Uh, can
1: see. I. She had to have been talking about Endgame.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: So it's an it's like an absurdist one act, um, and it's just between two people, a two blind people, guy. Right.
0: It's the two yeah. people. It's like the duel of of protagonist and and um, well, not not really. A, it's. I guess it's not neither one of them are protagonists. I guess they're kind of both protagonists, co-protagonists,
1: but Yeah, kinda like this play here. And like so they're waiting. Yeah, it's a
0: tragedy slash comedy.
1: Right. It's it's a post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic scenario. And they're both waiting for something, but they don't know what they're doing. So they're just menial labor needs to be done in the meantime. And like it gets so mundane to the point where like the blind guy's sitting there and he's like, I feel like I'm not in the middle of the room and then he's like all right i'll try to move you so he moves him a bit and he's like i'd like to be like in the middle he's like let me get a ruler he's like no just like you can eyeball it it's fine and then he moves him and he's like i feel like i'm too far to the right and he's like too far to the left and he's like i'm too forward now i'm too back and then so the uh, gaslighting the carry-
0: it's the gaslighting thing right
1: yeah and so not even gaslighting but he's just he's in the position of power for no reason on a on the cosmic coin flip just like uh right <laughs> yeah. like old is cosmic coin flip so he's the one who gets to tell him what to do there's no there's no rightful reason for it they could just hang out and be equals um but towards the end uh the younger person or the guy who's doing all the stuff he realizes like through nihilism he's like well if i'm gonna just have to do listen to you and nothing matters like in the end like I'm just gonna go somewhere else and do nothing and that's kind of it's kind of what a kind of what a Robert Pattinson does he's just like if I if this is gonna if you're gonna fire me with no pay like you're I already wasted this time I'm going crazy like you I'm gonna see what's in that light like I yeah he's going for it like you're not that's what he me. does go for it
0: that's definitely what he does go for at the plot mm-hmm. um Okay, let's uh let's do a quick um let's do our rating. Let's do it. This is the big moment. This is our uh this is our big our big uh, rating point in the podcast. We're gonna rate the film. Um, Errol, why don't you give us a quick summary and then uh, of, of your opinion on the film and then throw a rating at it.
1: So, um, just just like uh the the protean ways of that sea god how this movie is able to kind of like shift meanings and shift like you know subjectivity on it I think it's really good Uh, there's not a lot of movies that I've watched like one time and been like oh this is this is kind of like weird, but like I kind of get some of the references. And oh, this is like you know, there's a lot at stake here. I wonder what's going on. And then had a rewatch, and then been like, oh my god, this is like a movie within a movie. Like, um, you don't get that a lot of times, or at least like I don't. Uh, I, I really got enveloped into the to the time period of it. Like, it, you're allowed to get like sucked into it, um, dude. It's legit probably yeah it's one of my favorite movies of all time
0: and therefore you're a rating out of 10 sir
1: dude i'm i'm like struggling to not give it a 10 the a only struggle. reason no Just the me. only the only reason i won't give it a 10 is because this is a really hard movie for me to be like hey i'm going to show you this movie and it's going to be william defoe farton and then they're both gonna be jizzing. <laughs> yeah. But like trust me, like trust me, like it is a like it's like one of those things, like, like you sound crazy like explaining it, but it literally is the case. And like just for that just because it's like um a little more niche, I, I absolutely do believe it's going to be, like you said, like it's going to be a cult classic. Like there's gonna people are gonna look back on this and be like, oh my god, like it's like fuck, it's perfect. Like it's, it really is. Uh, um I wanna I wanna give it like a nine point eight. Okay, nine point, mean, nine, nine point nine. No nine point
0: no no point eight. It's either point five or hold it, a round number. You can do oh. point five or 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 a round number. So you gotta go ten or nine point five. Sounds like you're in between the two. So now you get now I made it worse for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you gotta, but no, no, you gotta lean one way or the other. So legitimately, if that's the case, if I have to choose between like this movie's perfect or like this movie's like perfect, but nine it's like five. too weird to like show someone. No, I'm gonna give it a ten. Yes. yes. Because if I have to be like, yo, know, like watch this, it's gonna be weird and like, but there's a deeper meaning to it. Um okay. if there if you're not willing to like look past that there's not like a lot of other movies. Not like there's a lot of other movies, but there's um I feel like if you can't look like past that to be willing to like dig deeper, like that's it's not that's not fun. You know what I mean? Like this, this is a fun movie through and through. It's a it's a it's funny. It it's hilarious if you let it be um and like just like the time period and everything and then like when you tie it in with the uh mythology and like all of like the folklore and just it's a it's a project of passion it's a uh it's I, i think it's a perfect movie so we're talking about all those other movies then uh in uh in uh 2019 uh I, I think ooh, dude i think this was a better movie than all those i really do yep
0: yep i agree so let me let me dive in i'm gonna this is this is, now i'm gonna take the mic on on it, and i'm gonna say that i think this film this film accomplished something that films just don't accomplish anymore it it stands alone in a unique niche of filmmaking uh and eagers is a guy who's doing that um with all of his films so far he's 3 for 3 um i think this is the best of those 3 i thought the witch was one of the best horror films of all time i i i legitimately think that it's 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 one of the few films that i was actually afraid of like it's at the end of the film i was in fear um and then this film rolled along and i was like well i have to see this what's this got to offer and it just blew me away and um it's what 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 this man is doing what eagers is doing to the film industry is he's taking he's taking some of my favorite filmmakers in hitchcock in kubrick um there's there's aspects of um you know there's art house like 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 um there's uh, sam peckinpah is in here in, in in a couple of different moments like there's there's art house uh, indie art house inspirations throughout the film so like these, these are these are aspects of some of the best filmmakers of all time and he's kind of rolling them up in like authenticating them with true length with uh, authentic um he's authenticating them with um the realities of the period right like we discussed mm-hmm. and now on and on top of that why this works better than his other two films and I'm I'm so anxious to see with what a- other actors he works with is that he got two actors who are who actually performed genuinely two of their best performances ever and that is saying something about a guy like Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Um Willem Dafoe has been in some of the most unbelievable films. I mean this guy's career just spans, you know, four decades at least and he's just been great in a million movies but this this is a whole new level because he has this unbelievable script to work with. The script is the script is is thick, it's lush with dialogue. It's like there's Tarantino in here too because like there's if, so much some... movies. There's so much
1: references. Like you oh, were saying, there's, there's, um, it's
0: packed. It's packed with have,
1: inspiration. Like we said, you have the birds. Um, I'm looking at something the right shining. now. I guess, uh, Kiss me Deadly in 1955. Um, right. Just like, yeah. just which, like, by the um, way, I think
0: Defoe was in. I believe Defoe was in that. Right.
1: Oh, I, I'm not too familiar. All I know is that when she opens up the box. She opens up the box and like it's just bright light. She's screaming. You don't see what's in the box, but you don't want to scream. Oh no, in I'm face.
0: I'm thinking of a, I'm thinking of a very different film, Kiss Me Deadly. Is a oh
1: yeah, movie. no, this was 1955. Yeah, yeah, I'm as, sorry, maybe no, as no, a baby. No, no. I'm
0: thinking of a different film. Um, but anyway, uh, in my opinion, I think the film has and the, so the much-
1: lighthouse, the lighthouse keepers, 1929. That lighthouse like literally looks almost like it, just not as uh, not as crazy, not as like, dude, can. That's the reason I think the black and white like paid off so well because when you see that light at the end, it's just like that is magical. Like that thing is yeah. legit. Like be- that is a time machine. Like that is.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much of the there's so much this film has to offer, folks, and it it rewards re- uh, repeat viewing in a major way. Like you have to see the film a few times to truly get a grip on it, which is like that I appreciate because. That is what, excuse me, that is what Kubrick offered um, with like almost all of his films is that he demanded that you have to go back and watch this again because I'm going to move at a pace that seems slow, but there's so much happening that it's almost like putting things that are bizarre on screen. And some, I've noticed a lot of the commentary about this film is that like things, oh, it's just random. Things are just random. And like if you trust your filmmaker in, in the film you're watching, it's like and you trust that what they're doing is not random it, it it gives purpose to the film in places that you might think are are purposeless and i don't think i think most filmmakers aren't making random there's very few random shots in films i, I don't understand why that's a, the a first by fans but i don't get the, it
1: the first shot um not the first shot but one of the first shots when you go into the layhouse there is a knife um, at the end and it is not hung up. It is stabbed into the corner of the house.
0: Ooh, interesting. I think I missed that. So like, yeah, exactly. That's not, that's not, that's Kubrick shit where it's like, that's not unintentional. And that's what I love about this film. And that's why um, when it comes down to it, we did, we did talk about a lot about like the, you know, we talked a lot about like the films of 2019. You're damn right. This is the best film that came out that year. And 1917 is an incredible film. Joker was an incredible film. And in, in, Joaquin Phoenix was amazing in Joker. I think both of these actors were better. And I thought this film was better. This film was definitely better. Um, I think that uh just as we discussed today, the the layers and layers upon layers of of um Greek mythology between the Greek mythology, the psychoanalysis, and the homoeroticism and the sexuality aspects, and the on it's top too- of it's on top deep. of the on top of the thick and unbelievable, like breathtaking performances and the setting and the artistic vision of the director to go 35 millimeter lens in black and white, those those things all in conjunction with the symbolism that's in that's just completely strung through the film and how and when you walk away from the film, the most important thing about a film, if you when you're watching film, at least in my opinion, is when you walk away how how soon did you forget about the film how soon how soon did the did the film leave you this film when i remember seeing it at the theater this film stuck with me for like a week
1: you say that i can't hear the term beans now
0: <laughs> without <was> <laughs> like yeah. well, it's even worse now because we're doing a full podcast on it but being that this film stuck with me so intensely when I first saw it. And then going back to rewatching it, I was a little nervous to determine like, Oh, you know, I saw it in theater. It's In theater is always a different experience. I was just completely encapsulated in, in the theater when I saw it and I loved it. And I was worried that if I watched it again at home, um, you know, maybe it'd lose a little bit of that magic. It totally held up. It totally held up. And even on the third and fourth, and, and I think maybe even a fifth viewing in there, um, it's, it hasn't lost an ounce of of, uh, of intrigue I guess is the perfect word for me. Every time I watch it, I watch it with an eyebrow raised and might, yeah
1: might literally be like the most intriguing movie especially as you start like peeling it back and like for sure. the layers down you're like absolutely you're like it doesn't end. It's a, right. oh my god, it's like a Pandora's box like
0: you, <laughs> right yeah, oh, no, yeah. so you it's you intentionally you, that way you, yeah, yeah you
1: you, no, you sure. open it you open it up. And then it's just like inside of the, it's a, uh, it's a uh, Russian nesting doll. You open up the box <laughs> and there's another box in the box and you open up it that just box. Keeps going. And just it a, just
0: keeps on going.
1: It's just, it's just boxes and it's just a, uh, yeah, it's just
0: madness. Yeah. And for that, that being said, my rating, it's a 10 out of 10.
1: Boom. Boom. You did it.
0: That's two. That's a, that's our first 10 out of 10 film. It purely is that. And listen, I, I, I challenge anyone to, you know, to like convince me that this is a bad film or that this film is lacking in some way. Like I just, I've seen it enough times at this point that I just trust it and I just trust what it's doing. And for me, it's as close to a, a masterpiece in the 21st century as I've seen yet. It's up there with every, all, it's up there with There Will Be Blood. It's up there with No Country for Old Men. It kind of does a lot of the same things that those films do which it takes on like it just takes masculinity into a, into this new place and it just challenges you and it challenges you to think about the film over and over and over again and there's no better quality the film you, brings to me.
1: When you do to think, think about it over it. and when you do think about it over and over again it, it rewards you at every step. Um it really does. Going Going through, like, dude, just go through Greek mythology and look through You're like, oh my, there's parallels to like a bunch of stuff there. To where there was, I had to do like a, like, who does this most relate to? Where I'm changing stuff last second before we go on. Like, I'm glad, like, we did it as like, late as we did because, like, I was like, all right, I think I like finally got it, like, right now, everything's in. And then I just, and, and even, and, I was and, back even the store.
0: and even if that's not like, even if that's the, not the direction that like most interests you, there's like three other way lenses to lenses to view the film through like right like you've got mythology you've got psychology you've got sexuality you've got masculinity there's just a million ways there's like i i shouldn't say a million there's like four or five genuine paganism the religious right the the puritism like there's there's a lot there's multiple lenses you can watch the film so you could watch the film a different way or you can
1: watch it as a legit just period piece sure and that's oh, what i yeah. did the you first time that's what i did i was right, like they're too. just both crazy and yeah, it works yeah. it it works perfectly as that but the oh is- yeah because
0: you know what it does it, it actually does work that way because like i was thinking about i was like towards the end of the film if you just cast if you just like get through the bizarre scenes that you are like kind of they seem inexplicable like they're both going crazy It'll take care of you, though. It'll it'll validate that thought. It'll it, the the dialogue validates your thinking about oh shit they they they're all they're not completely lost because I think they there's have nothing. A, there's a grounding like... of of uh, of uh, uh, Winslow's character at one point where they interact towards the end, like after mm-hmm. they've woken up from drinking the the um, the honey and um,
1: honey turp.
0: Yeah, what is it? What is it? It's kerosene, right?
1: No, honey it's not kerosene.
0: Turpentine. turpentine. That's what it is. Um, And they wake up from that and then all of a sudden, um, he stands up to him and like he doesn't seem quite as insane, um, which changes, obviously, but like, it's just what I mean is like this film is just has so much to offer. And I do think in about 10 or 15 years. Um, people will look back and and they'll appreciate it in a different after a
1: different after way. he drops Nosferatu and people start looking at the other films yeah. like yeah if he blows
0: it out of it. the water with Nosferatu where that thing is which let's be real do you, do you just do you out.
1: nail three out of three and just totally miss the mark on the fourth one probably not, not. likely
0: he's only got more resources and more time to master the craft I I, I think you can trust him at this more point.
1: trust man yeah, exactly. yeah. that's what I, that's exactly what I was gonna say more trust
0: yeah so all right we'll take one more short break when we come back um we're going to talk about what's next on the peripheral views podcast so thank you guys for listening our ratings were both a 10 out of 10 for the lighthouse um big scores for a unbelievable film um hang tight we'll be right back after this break Better episodes, in my opinion, I, I had a blast with it. Well, at least for your enjoyment purposes. I mean, for listening pleasures, I don't know. But for in terms of discussion and talking about something, this is exactly like I said at the beginning of the podcast. This is why I wanted to start a podcast in the first place. In the, I'm sorry, in the first place, and uh, why Errol was the uh, perfect companion for that uh, for that adventure. So um, we've uh, we we've, lighthouse is in the books. Night 2019's uh, Robert Eager's um, psychological Thriller Lighthouse in the books. Two big 10 out of 10 ratings are best film yet in terms of our ratings. Um, what do we got next, Errol? Upcoming on the Peripheral Views Podcast, our ninth episode is going to be the second installment in our music series. And uh, we're going to jump right into another one that's going to be a hell of a discussion. Um, Errol and I have been talking about Lupe Fiasco and his music for a very, very long time. We're talking... 10 plus years we've been talking this stuff together so we decided we landed on a a starting place to introduce him into the discussion um for the podcast so what we're going to kick things off with with him him as an artist and believe me this will not be our last visitation
1: yeah i was gonna say very very likely just the like literally that introduction is a very good word for it
0: yeah, he's 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 going to be circling back, circled back to um, probably multiple times, not probably definitely multiple times because um, he's just got a catalog that uh, it's just there's going to be this is going to be an undertaking too. I mean, for, talk about being scared like this is a this is an album I'm going to just any of his work is going to be an undertaking to kind of piece apart. We're going to do the best damn job we can with that, um, and we're going to be talking Lupe Fiasco's The Cool by, obviously, Lupe Fiasco, released in 2007. Um, unbelievable album. Can't wait to talk about that one. Eventually, we should talk about some shit we don't like. I mean, I don't know. yeah yeah you know what yeah no that's working shit we don't like well what i think the way to do that is um my my theory was when we do uh content selections where you pick three and then i pick three and then we pick from each other's three so that way if you give me three shitty choices we eventually have to do something that at least one of us doesn't like um it, eventually that will happen, but so far our interests are kind of like aligned pretty well on a lot of stuff. So it's going to be a while before we get something we don't like. But in the meantime, we'll just keep doing our deep dives on the stuff that we do like because uh, there's a lot to talk about out in the world in terms of our content. Um Beyond that episode, we really don't have anything in the book. So we're going to take a, uh, about a week or so to get that one together. It's also a massive undertaking because Lupe Fiasco's music is um, full of uh, the lyrics and the lyrical content is full I am, of double, triple, am, quadruple entendres.
1: I am confident we could do an episode like just this long on the song "Failure." <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh easily. I'm I mean, like I'm
0: not just this, not just that song. We could do it on a lot of his songs, just just the songs. But yeah, no, failure is a good example of one because that was that's that one's just chock full, as they say. But um we'll start it's with mean. the cool what i said it's mean soldier yeah it's mean soldier that's right um so that that's why we're gonna kick it off we're gonna kick it off with the cool um by lupe fiasco super pumped it's a concept album there's gonna be a lot to talk about there um, talking about so- the
1: uh the history of uh, michael young history
0: the, yeah, Michael cool Young, Michael my, my cool Michael Young history, Michael cool Young history. That's what we're that's what we're diving into. That'll be uh, that'll probably be recorded. We're gonna spend about a week or a week and a half trying to get that together. That'll probably get recorded sometime at the end of next week, if not uh, the following week. And in that meantime, Errol and I are gonna do a little consulting, and we're gonna come up with uh, our next couple episodes. So by the time that one is recorded, we will have a few on deck.
1: Might right see a might see a fireside chat.
0: Yeah, that's what we were discussing. Potentially uh, whipping one of those together, we'll try to work, try to start that series, our fireside chat series. We haven't, I think, we've discussed it on the podcast quite yet, but that's going to be a series in which Errol and I are going to just basically uh, sit down, hit the record button, have a few topics in mind, and just kind of bounce around, and we're just going to let the conversation flow just like we would if we were sitting by the fire.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, if you have any questions, that'd be a good time for us to answer them. So.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So like maybe we could do a poll and we could uh, pump them in there and that could kind of that can help guide us. Um, I could do a poll on Twitter or um. maybe we can announce it on the podcast. That might be an episode or two away, but at least by the time that we are re- ready to record and release the uh, Lupe Fiasco's The Cool we will um in that recording we will announce what's gonna come next whether it's fireside chat or um other content we're not sure yet we're gonna work on that and get that prepared for you um Errol, you got any closing thoughts on the lighthouse
1: um no i honestly really don't yeah that we covered a lot of
0: stuff covered a lot and we said a lot and we had a lot to say about it and i'm glad we did it so um that being said uh, we appreciate all the support and any any of you listeners who are uh sticking around with us. We really do appreciate your uh your time and attention to the podcast. Uh for new listeners, if you're looking to uh check us out, we are on Twitter at peripheral v123. We are on soundcloud.com at forward slash peripheral views one two three. Um uh, for questions and inquiries, please reach out to us views podcast at gmail.com. Um throw us in the search bar and your favorite streaming platforms, specifically Apple podcasts and Spotify. Uh, if you do be sure to hit that notification bell and please subscribe also leaving us a review and rating help support podcasts on the airwaves, um, and stay in touch with us along the way for any developments on our uh, website construction that's coming along the way. Um, be, be sure to stay tuned for that, uh, for any updates regarding that over the next handful of weeks. So We're going to keep chipping away at that. We appreciate you guys listening. This was the Peripheral Views Podcast and our third installment of the film series on Robert E. Ears' 2019 probably stone cold classic, The Lighthouse. Thank you guys for listening. Check us on the next round for the Peripheral Views Podcast. Have a good night, folks. Thanks for hanging out. Peace.